Hello everyone, what's up? It's Dave. I'm back real quick before this episode starts. I want to say that there was something that happened with the recording. Something went wrong with the microphone, so they failed in a way that I have not experienced in the time I've been doing this podcast. You will probably be able to hear the difference if you listen to my podcast. I did have a friend, James Ersted. Thank you, my friend. He came to my rescue and helped me salvage some of the audio because I did not discover this problem until Mark and I were finished three hours after we started recording. Because I had not seen this happen before, we were actually getting audio through our microphones, but it just was not coming through the same. It's weird. I don't know why. I have a little four-channel mixer that runs USB into my computer, and it did some things that day that it I have not seen it do before, or it has not done since, because I'm recording this, and this is coming through the way it's supposed to, so... Hopefully I'm going to find a way to look for that in uh, episodes that I record in the future. I have recorded another episode after this one, and everything seems to have turned out fine with that. So it's a little blip, and I hope it doesn't distract too much from the enjoyment of the episode because we had a lot of fun. And let's get to that now. Here we go. We're back with the I've Known You Too Long podcast. I'm Dave Larson, and I am very excited today because I caught a big fish. I got one that I've been wanting to get from the very beginning. I think you can hear him laughing as as we're bringing this up. This is somebody who played in Refuse. He played in Undertow. He was in Dempsey. He was in, I mean, okay, I'm going to start not being able to say (laughs) name all the names of the bands. Fugazi? I don't think that's right. Okay, look, we're going to, you know what? We're going to get to it. And then he left and was gone for a long time. And now he's back and he's agreed to do the podcast. Mark Holcomb, welcome. Hello. Dude, I'm so stoked (laughs) you decided to come out. Now, well, the first thing I like to say to people is, Mark, I've known you too long. Mm Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you totally agree with that. <laughs> okay. well, I, was trying, I was trying to figure out the actual... I mean, I'm guessing it's over 30. Okay, oh, we'll get to that. Right? I, th- I think it is, man. But yeah. we're not... Okay, so laying in bed last night, knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I was going over my head. And this is I always go do this process at some point before the podcast if I can figure out the exact time we meet. Because in this podcast, we figure that out. Right. Go backwards, talk about your life, how you how we came to that point, sure. and then go for and that's that's all really the only format we have. And I kind of I kind of know a, a range, and it gets weird because I had heard about you before I met you. Okay. So within that, we'll figure it out. Okay. We'll figure, I heard about refuse. Okay. But it was uh because I've been talking to you about doing this podcast for a year. Uh, probably two would be my guess. Whenever I started, I don't think we're quite two years old yet. But we're we're getting there with this <laughs> podcast. So right away, I'd run into you. It's something with Damien. Uh, Damien's fortieth. Uh, I think that's what it was. Was it the party? Yeah, there was the surprise party for his fortieth birthday. That was one point when you and I've and I've run into you in the street and said yeah, and, and been like, you got to yeah. do it. And you had not been really open to the idea of doing it. I would say no. Yeah, I, yeah. I've 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 been avoiding it for sure. But that changed suddenly. Yeah. In the last week. Um, what yeah. happened, man? Uh, you know, I listened to your podcast, and uh, <laughs> uh, my name came up a couple times. I'm like, well, I better get on the show. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't even remember what got me back on it. it. I mean, probably Kinder. Talking with Kinder, he's like, oh, I did the podcast. But like you said, that was four months ago, and I knew about it then. So 
basically just, you know, I got back into your podcast. I don't even think I knew John was on it. And then I saw it was, maybe I was just going back to listen to Damien and you. Yeah, that was, that was probably it. And then just, well, I was like, oh shit, John did something. And then, uh, Kinder was on and yeah. And then a couple friends were like, oh, you know, you got to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I knew eventually I would, but, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm like getting to a point where I'm like, well, there are gonna be more people on and my name might get mentioned. So let me go and tell my own story. Okay. So you're, did something you're, else happen? Well, no, no, no. But it's so, so I, I think you said this earlier when we were coming up here uh-huh. is that you think that if you keep getting mentioned and you don't correct the record, <laughs> you don't set stuff straight. <laughs> like that's going to be, it's going to be a problem for you listening to the podcast. Well, yeah, I, it would. Nobody's messed up yet. <laughs> well, you said there were some little details you could Little correct. things, but... Well, I'm, I'm going to get us there. Okay. Okay, so I think we should try to figure out the meeting. That's what we should do. Okay. When did we meet? What do you, when do you think we met? Um, I'm willing to guess it was probably Ron's house. At Ron- I, well, okay, so I, I, know that, uh, I know that you were at the uh, Lenny's Basement show. I think there were two and I was the second. Okay. We were the second, I think, right? I get the idea we might have missed you that night. Okay. So I think I didn't see you play, but I did see you. I know we've... And there's a lot of people from that era. Yeah. Julie, Kirsten, Ron, Greg, Lenny. like the, Bauer. Yeah. I'm not sure if I... I think I feel like that was a night where there were blanket introductions to a bunch of people. And my first memory of just different things about a lot of those people start there. Right. So we'd gone to shows in Seattle, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, And the first up guys were a little ahead of us. Those guys had already, I think, made contact and, and played a couple shows or done something with, you know, Brotherhood guys. So we could probably say that we met, even though we might not really remember it, in Lenny's basement. Because do you remember a show with First Step and Brotherhood in Lenny's basement? Yeah, because Refuse played. I think that was the entire bill. And then there was a, there was another show. But the show we played, I think, was... Was the first one? Us. I think it was Us, First Step, and Brotherhood. Okay. That was the show. Because I feel like the, the one, like, I was going down with... I rode down with those guys, and we were just late. We we're just trying to figure out how to get there. You know, right. ferry, drive around. What are we gonna do? Sure. No, so I'm guessing we were in the same room, and it, there might have been a. This is Dave. This is Mark. Yeah. But I, for me, it didn't, it didn't click, and I was trying to think about it. And I'm guessing that there was probably some sort of you guys were coming down from Bellingham, hanging out at Ron's, mm-hmm. Ron's and that would be the up. that would be the apartment in the U district. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or well, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Capital, Car- Capital. Villa. Yeah. The Capitol Hill apartment. I fucking still love that dude. Because fucking uh, Nate and Curtis lived below, and Ron stayed there with, you know, rotating roommates. Yeah. But you could go to Fallout, get fucking records, and go over. And I don't think the buzzers work, so you'd knock on Ron's window. Uh-huh. If he wasn't home, then you'd hit down Curtis. <laughs> and so I remember going, you know, sometimes I'd go and listen to fucking records down there. So it was fucking fantastic. It was a time, the whole time he lived in the Caravilla, I was in Bellingham. Okay. And actually, most of the time he was in the U, the U District Department, I was in Bellingham, too. I hadn't moved to Seattle yet. Yeah, we would come. We would go to Fallout Records. It might have even still been Fallout Records and Skates then. Yeah, I remember that. And then we would, you know, a lot of times we'd meet, we'd have already met Ron or something. But yeah, yeah, we'd walk up there and then someone would be yelling out a window. <laughs> Different people were all kind of living in the same building. And years later, when I did move to Seattle, I got an apartment in a place called the Bonneville yep. across the street and a bunch of other people, including Ron. Ron lived with me in that apartment and he then got his own apartment in the same building and there were people, there were, at one point, there were like six apartments, five or six apartments that different people we knew were in that building. For some reason, the Caravilla, I think we'd been priced out of the Caravilla or something, <laughs> but we were still good. Or they had just learned their lesson having a bunch of like, you know, OG hardcore dudes in there. 
So I actually live two blocks away from there. And, oh, you do? Oh, yeah, yeah. I live on uh, Harvard and Denny right on the corner. Okay. So, like, if I go to King of the Hill Market, I walk by both those apartment buildings like, oh, I remember this, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember the good old the salad days, you know? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, okay, I think that um, the trick is, for me, I wasn't in a band, and you were in a band. Yeah. And so you were either coming up to Bellingham play shows or playing shows at the party hall or whatever. And there was the moment, basically, when refuse became undertow uh-huh. and at that point i already knew you kind of just not well yeah and then i started i was taking photos and probably the first time we ever had a real conversation uh-huh. was when i came to a show with photos of you guys and said you guys got to check these out so i will bet the first real interaction we had where you were like oh it's that guy from bellingham was probably it might have even been me showing you photos from the okay hotel oh shit but that does right. feel too late into the game See, I feel like... Because I certainly knew Petty Bell Mother. Yeah, I feel like there was a time when um, all of a sudden there was a Bellingham crew. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh my God, there's other straight-edge kids in this state? Holy shit. How and we'd been there. We just didn't know yeah. how to find you guys. Because like, we were 90 miles away and yeah. no internet. Yeah. And I had the same experience with uh, Kinder and Soto and all those dudes out there um, about like, oh dude, there's a crew out in Briar. Fucking excellent. There's got to be other crews. There was there was some sort of like a moment of like birth of the crews. Yeah. And I, so there was a Bellingham crew, and then there was the you know Briar crew or Molly Terrace crew. And there was a bit of a Portland crew. I don't remember. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because Carrie, I mean, were were they down in Portland then? Yeah. Like Carrie and Seth. And yeah. Like that. He, and Brett Van Horn from from First Step moved down there. Okay. It was uh, it was Corey that played bass in Undertow. Will refused, I guess, at Washington Hall. So he was down in Portland. Would come up. Corey or Carrie? Carrie, okay. sorry. No, okay, so make it, it, was I missing somebody? Yeah, and, you know, my, my memory is going to be, I'm friends with them on Facebook, so. Oh, yeah. There. <laughs> Good dude. Great <laughs> dude. Totally rad. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back. Okay. So the time frame we're talking about is somewhere between 88 and 90. Yeah. By 90, we totally knew each other. Yeah. And, and when I say I'd heard about you, I hadn't heard, hey, there's this guy that plays a guitar. Uh-huh. We were getting into Brotherhood. And someone was like, and then there's these little kids that, that also play music. Right. And I think the first, I never, I didn't hear Refuse, but the little sticker, I don't want to be stoned, the Charlie Brown sticker. I guess I saw that and went, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we were 14. I loved I, it. I think so, I did backups on the Brotherhood record when I was 13. When you were 13 years yeah, old. Yeah. That's so cool. And the thing is, like, I wasn't that much older, but the difference at the time and this is what's weird. When I first heard about you, you were so young, I thought, oh, there's these kids. Yeah. Because I was, what, 16 or 17, but you were 13 or 14. Yeah. Because I think that's about, what are we, we're three years apart? I was born in 74. Mid? What's your birthday? Uh, May 25th. I'll be 43. Okay, so I'm three and a half years older than okay. you. So yes, that's a huge difference at 16 and 17. Yeah. But as soon as we were both in our 20s, it was nothing. Yeah. Like I, when we actually started hanging out, I didn't think of you as a, you had just made this jump. It was weird because it almost seems like those are two entirely different situations. When I had the skateboard shop and I was aware that there was a band named Refuse. Yeah. To me, that's just not you. Like it's, I know it is, <laughs> but it, but it's just not, I don't put it the same way because we weren't in each other's lives. Sure. And I honestly forget about Refuse and like entirely. And, uh, you know, it's occasionally somebody will be like Refuse. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. I was yeah, that's right. I mean, I have the memories of being young, but we only played like two. We played Lenny's Basement, and then we played in Spokane, uh, and then I don't think we played for a year and a half because there was nowhere to play. 
Right. So Did you you played year. Spokane with Brotherhood, yeah. First Step, and Better Off? Yep. Was yep. that the show? Yeah, and our the van broke down, and John Pettibone was riding along behind us or whatever, and he gave us a ride. <laughs> so yeah, that um I didn't go to that show. Bill did though. Oh, you missed out. Man. The better off seven inch has <laughs> Bill Baker in every photo. That's fucking rad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I totally feel like I missed out on that one. It was like ah, I was a, I was working. Best show refuse ever played, man. Yeah, best show. Not <laughs> <laughs> the three of them. Let's go away from that. Let's go back. Where do you come from? Uh, North Seattle, up here. Not born, here. born, uh, in born, born, oh, born. We're in North Seattle right now. Oh yeah, Shoreline. sorry, I forget. I'm, there's other people that are going to be listening. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, great. That's how it should be. Yeah, North Seattle, uh, about twenty. What are we? Twenty minutes away on the freeway. Yeah. So uh, ten miles, something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Born and raised. Fucking saw Mount St. Helens blow up. You saw it. You oh could yeah. See the. Yeah, yeah. We were down. Uh, there's this place called the Civic Club, and it's on Lake Washington. I heard it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Bellingham, you could hear it. it well, but I didn't see anything. It's four days before my birthday, and I was turning like six or seven, so I was young enough that like, wow, oh, my birthday is right around the corner. I'm going to get a new fucking bike. I'm going to get some fucking roller skates. It's going to be great. And then we're down at the beach, and my mom's like, oh, Mount St. Helens, it looks like it erupted, and you could see it, the plume going up in the... Wow. So, so I'm going to say that... Um, it's how old school I am. We'll get into... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into this much later. This is just... I'm just putting a little pin in this for later, but I think that bellingham being 90 miles further north yeah um i think that the curvature of the earth the round earth that we live on uh-huh. probably kept me from even seeing being able to see the plume could be could be now if we were flat if you were w- flat you'd it be would able be to see it you'd think it'd be very small I'm not, I'm not sure that volcanoes exist on a flat earth oh you're not wait they don't i've been told it's a well dome. it's a dome so you probably wouldn't want a volcano in there because of all the ash well volcanoes <laughs> exist Right? You know, if you <laughs> you think the earth is flat, I, you could also just say volcanoes don't exist. But you saw what erupt. I, you know, I've never seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> I just saw something in the sky, man. It could, you know, could have been a cloud. Okay, we're going <laughs> to, yeah. this is, um, <laughs> this is a pretty tongue in cheek. I hope you understand. We're going to get to that later. <laughs> we're we're going to do some history before we get into flat earthers and whether or not you believe in um, simple physics concepts. Is that, uh, uh, yeah, the scientific method. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's a, it's real. Oh, I thought that was the name of a record. It, should, it probably is. <laughs> okay. So, so you were born here. Yeah. You, there wasn't some kind of move. You weren't uprooted, so you went or anything. So you went to school, what, in the same school all the way through? The same people? Uh, yeah. You know, you hit a uh, seventh grade, I guess, and all the schools uh, blend together. Is that Okay. So down here you went kindergarten through sixth, uh, and then seventh and eighth? No, did kinder, kindergarten through third and then middle school would have been up to six then we do two years of uh I guess that's what school. school system did you go to a rad one <laughs> but <laughs> this is i mean people usually the only the only confusion we have is whether junior high or middle school is seventh eighth ninth then whether high school includes freshmen being ninth graders but you're talking about you went to a school that was up to third grade and then your Brookside Elementary, and then your middle school started at fourth grade. Yeah, Briarcrest, and you did four, five, six, uh, and that. Luckily, where I was living, uh, I could walk to every single school I went to. I only had to ride the bus once. So there's a part up here and uh, where I grew up. Yeah, where uh, all the schools are right, you know, a mile and a half from where I lived in all different directions. So, but so you went to four schools, correct? Because that's a different situation 
than than any of the other ones we've talked on this podcast. So that's interesting. Okay. So you went to four schools. So that, I mean, you, they were still with the same group of people, though, right? Until the seventh grade, you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still. I have, I have friends that I've went to kindergarten with and preschool with. Yep. Okay. All the way up. So. That's awesome. So tell me about what you were like in grade school. Um, I think it was pretty normal. I don't. What is normal? Yeah. Shit, I don't know. I wasn't playing in I wasn't in a band. <laughs> no, but so okay, so uh, so you're in grade school. You're starting late seventies in grade school. Yeah. Um, shortest kid in the class. Kids are still into Star Wars. In fact, they're probably yeah. more into Empire Strikes Back because the second movie is out. Yeah, I think uh, huge into Star Wars and got into GI Joe because their arms bent better. They're, Dude, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love that you said that. So you uh-huh. got into GI Joe because their arms bent better. Yeah, that means they had a joint. they had a joint at the elbow, but yeah. before the kung fu grip, which was the swivel at the forearm. Okay, not yeah, at I, the wrist. Yeah, the forearm. You don't remember the kung no, fu grip? I think so. So okay, this is a great visual thing to do in a podcast because people will understand. <laughs> Star Wars figures had one piece arms. Yeah. They were a a six piece figure: head, body, legs, and arms. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so their arm would just move straight up or straight down. You could still play with them. You know, G.I. Joe's, now all of a sudden, their knees and, and elbows bend. Yeah. And they can swivel at the waist. Yeah. yeah. You can break them in half. There's a, there's a uh, rubber band in there. Yeah. You can take them apart and mix and match. Did you do that? No. No. I was. They were too important to me. I mean, I remember telling my mom one year, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Just G.I. Joe's. You know what the coolest thing to do was? Hmm. Take your snake eyes apart. Take his head off. And then take whoever the guy was, I don't remember which one, but he had the darkest beard. You took his head and put it on the snake, and you had this badass commando in all black. Yeah, that's what I did. No, I think they were, because I would never get enough G.I. Joes. No, you, no. You know, mom would buy me two, and then you buy a bunch of other crap, and that's, yeah. that's cool. But, uh, so yeah, I think the G.I. Joes I had were very fucking important. I wasn't going to take them apart, you know? And, uh, and then of course, you know, I got them right as I was too old to have them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this sucks. Oh, I'll you know? tell you, man. I'm going to take them apart and then I'm going to burn them. <laughs> I, I think I played with them too long. Yeah. Oh, oh I got, I got, I think I kind of got shamed. <laughs> Did you, that's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It wasn't. And then what happens? All these adults buy all these toys all the time now. So I, don't worry about it. I think I missed a day of school and a kid brought me his GI Joes and left them all. And it was sixth grade. Nobody else was playing with GI Joes in sixth grade. Right. It was very childish thing to be doing and he gave me all his gi joes and left them like at my desk at school so everybody saw them and was like no oh, fucking mark's still playing with gi joes fantastic <laughs> so sorry <laughs> but here's the thing though yeah you were shamed at school but you were stoked because you had gi joes well no i, I was kind of bummed out because i was like i'm actually kind of getting out of this yeah you know? i get it i get it but you are so right that when i walked into the store and saw the first time those gi joes you know were out and i saw how they had made the figures and for me, it was like, oh, these are like Micronauts. Because Micronauts were at the same time as Star Wars figures, and they had the same kind of bending. And I liked that they were better to play with. I used to make my Star Wars toys play football against my G.I. Joe toys. And G.I. Joe always won because he can move his arms. <laughs> you know, you got fucking Luke with one arm you going took... up, the one-handed catch. So, okay, I just want to... This is already uncovering <laughs> so much, Mark. <laughs> so much. So you took your sci-fi and war toys. Yeah. And you had them play sports. Yeah. This is as alien to me as anything you could have ever said. I also, if we want to throw something else in there, I had the entire He-Man collection. Oh, wait. Are you a completionist? I, well, yeah. I mean, it just happened. Um, but yeah, I had every single He-Man. So there was a big He-Man phase. Had the castle. 
Had all of it, man. It was that was fucking cool. You had Grace Call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I can't remember the names of half the shit anymore, but uh yeah. That was uh yeah. That I got all of. Yeah. That was excellent. But you stayed out of uh She Ra? Or did you you her too, yeah. But wasn't that a whole line? Oh yeah, no, I didn't I didn't have that. I had her as an action figure because, you know, you had to have her. Tila. Well, did she start out did She Ra start out in the He Man collection or was she her own set? That I don't know. I mean, they were selling them as single pieces, so that's how I got it. I associated with He Man, but I, I can't. Do you think Orko was the scrappy do of He Man? I can't, I can't even fucking remember who these characters are. Orko is a little stupid ghost thing with the the zero. I got his. They flew around in the cartoon. And I was like, they don't make a toy of this. This is not. Why is this dumb? You know. <laughs> They always think they had to put some bullshit little funny thing that's little. I think yeah. they think it's so the kids will relate to it. I'm relating to the guy with the sword. I just want him yeah. to kill someone. He doesn't kill anybody. Yeah. I, he's got a great haircut, though. <laughs> have, you, have you revisited He-Man's haircut? Mm, I can kind of remember. It's, it's a real mullet, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of a bowl mullet. Uh, it's definitely, he's definitely got bangs cut right up across his forehead. He was the prince. Yeah. I, Who was the king? You know, I, I... Dude, you had everything. I did, but, you know, I don't remember any of this. The, you do remember some of it, because you're bringing up a hair's haircut. Well, yeah, because <laughs> he's huge, and he's yoked, and he's just wearing, you know, little, little shorts, and he's got his fucking By the Legend of Grayskull sword. <laughs> he's got some kind of bondage gear on. Somebody, somebody should have said, hey, bud, you'd be a lot tougher than, you know, if I could just cut your hair. These were a lot of heavily muscled toys that came oh. with harnesses, so they were kind of... <laughs> You're taking this down a different route, my man. <laughs> I think it's all of the same route. You can't have part without all of it. Yeah. I oh, know. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I only talk about this stuff because it's vitally important to the development of the person that you become. Okay. And the people that we became. Yeah. I didn't really have... I had like one or two emails and it was like, these are no. I was not really playing with Stephanie, I think, at that point anymore. I think the, the the range, but I still did watch the stupid show every once in a while. Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing, uh, we had a daycare at the house, so cartoons would be on constantly. So maybe there was some uh, association with mom. I get the gifts, and once I've grown out of them, they stay with the daycare. And Dude, she was kids. writing your gifts off as a tax write-off <laughs> against the daycare because it was toys for the kids. Def- definitely, yeah. I mean, once you outgrew yeah. something, they ended up down there in the daycare. That's That's good. You know, that's some smart, smart, smart planning. That's some you know? smart planning. Okay. Mom did that really well. It just kept you in. To- it just kept you in toys through through your junior high experience. I mean, maybe this is why sometimes I didn't get toys I wanted. You know, like <laughs> like I don't but, want another hobby horse. Yeah, like I've gotten the same fucking GI Joe every year, and it's like mom secretly like, well, this one's for the kids downstairs. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, that's good. And yeah. and like you said, let's move on. <laughs> it's okay. You like all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the questions I, I ask about the age, about the grade school ages, basically kind of the one that's, that's important is when did you start relating to music and how did it happen? Um, so, uh, I'm guessing 10. Okay. So my dad, uh, my parents were divorced, uh, when I was two, my dad lives in Olympia, but he would take us out to dinner every week and we'd go to his house every other weekend. So in his car, he would have, uh, three, um, cassette holders so there were like 30 cassettes that he would let us choose mm. and i have an older sister she's four years older 
So it was always fun listening to like ZZ Top and Cheap Trick and, you mm-hmm. know, when ACDC uh, became big here in the States, uh, being able to get those tapes. But dad, yeah, it must have been nine or ten, bought me my own stereo. And then fun thing to go do with dad would uh, I'd go down there and there's rainy day records down in Olympia. And he'd be like, today, you know, you pick out a record. So that quickly became, I mean, I feel like at the house, mom never listened to music. I think we had a Muppets Christmas. We had Muppets Christmas. We had Simon and Garfunkel. And yep. she, she recently, their greatest hits. And she recently said, oh, I never liked those guys. I was like, well, how the fuck did that record end up in our house? <laughs> you had the Muppets Christmas. Yeah. They did the, uh, we had the 12 Days of Christmas. Yeah. And then Miss Piggy's all. There was also, yeah. there was also, I remember it. Also a Chipmunks record. Oh. I think, ah, uh, yeah. It's like, ah, uh, I can just hear like, hello, Dave. And <laughs> well, it's fucking terrible. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. Okay. So just my name always annoyed you a little bit. <laughs> uh, so Maybe I didn't like Chipmunks because of that. I don't know. That's really fucking annoying. I'm guessing that was more of a daycare record than it was for us. A big record for me when I was young was the Muppet movie soundtrack. Not the <laughs> Christmas one. Because the Christmas one had to be specific to a holiday. But the Muppet yeah. movie soundtrack, you listen to that shit all year long. Well, the other, the other trippy record that would be at our house was that we had a Rod Stewart, If You Think I'm Sexy and You Really Want Me record, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's wearing cheetah latex, and it's just his, his ass, <laughs> ass shot, you know? And so talking with my sister about it, I was like, okay, mom mom got the Muppets. We thought mom got the Simon and Garfunkel, but she says she hates them. So we don't know where that came from. And I'm like, and why the fuck would mom have Rod Stewart, you know, if you think I'm sexy? And my sister's like, oh, oh, no, that was me. I used, to, I used to, we used to put that on and me and her and her friends would do like a, a show in front of the parents singing along to that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you would say that, uh, the answer to the question was your main influence on music was riding in the car with your dad, listening yeah. to cassette tapes, which is a killer way to go. Yeah. And then he had a huge record collection. So it was, it was fun going down and looking at, you know, I would look at the cover of uh, fucking the Boston record and it's a guitar I first heard you tell that story on tour in 1993, and I've been wondering if you were going to bring up the cover of the Boston record. Yeah, it's fucking cool, man. And you fucking love that thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, it's, uh, let's see, the so it's a flying guitar with a city inside it, and they're leaving Earth. It's a fucking rocket ship. It's fucking amazing. And then, you know, all That the, really, I mean, that implanted in your brain. Though. Yeah, that, and I want to say the cover of the Meatloaf record, although I hate Meatloaf. Yeah, but um, the, the, the motorcycle coming up? Out of the grave? Yeah, and I, I feel like it's a very Conan. There might be like a woman, you know, on, on knees holding on to the side of the bike or some shit. There's something. You know, I got that record like recently and yeah. listened to it and went, yeah. Oh, it sucks. I'm, I thought this would be better. The thing is, there are little bits I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then and then Cheap Trick was another, I mean, that, that's not a fantasy cover. But, I mean, those guys just look so fucking cool. And then you turn it around, the two other guys, and you're like, those guys are ugly. <laughs> so, this band, so maybe so, I can be in a band someday. <laughs> so judgmental at such an early age. Oh, is that what it was? Well, it I can do it. In my head, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can look like that and be in a band? Right on. Um, so how old were you, do you think, when you first started having your own music? Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really want to say it had to be like nine or ten. So my sister's four years older, so she, she probably had a stereo before me. And probably started her own record collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I got a record player for Christmas, and my stepbrother gave me Kiss Double Platinum as my first record. And uh, then Dad took me out and was like, "Son, you know, here's ten bucks. You get to buy a record." And I bought Phil Collins' No Jacket Required. <laughs> uh, Mark, 
which I think is still a great Kiss and Phil up. Collins as your first two records yeah. in your collection. Yeah. You need that kind of eclectic hit. You need that weird fusing <laughs> to become the musical person that you became. Yeah. Uh, dude, I, I've gone back now. I'm actually, like, I'll put on Phil Collins' greatest hits, man. I think it's fucking great. I'm going to say he's got some songs that I still... Yeah. That was me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it, later on it sucks, and I'm not a huge Genesis fan, but there was... I think his first two solo records actually kind of hold up. And he had uh, Tower of Power. I think they're from uh, Chicago coming in. He had some good producers that were writing like kind of good, good soul and funk for this bald British guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think he's got a great point. <laughs> um, this is not my guilty pleasure. This is something Oh, you don't even, I, and that's yeah, the thing. You're, you're not guilty. It's just a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What's your guilty pleasure musically? I can't tell you these things. <laughs> Damn, you had to. I thought I, we got the guard down a little no, bit. No, I don't know. I don't know where I would tell you if it comes, if oh. something comes to me where I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed about this one, okay. but yeah, I really love it. All right, so that's pre discovering alternative music. Yeah, did you listen to the radio? Yeah, okay. I mean, I feel like both me and my sister, one of us at home, would probably have a record player going or the radio going kind of at all times. It, that's just kind of my memory. It might be foggy, but. Certainly down at dad's. Um, and I had an older stepbrother and an older stepsister. And I don't know if they were into music as much, but, you know, I just remember music on dad's side always being around. And then he wanted to give that gift to us. So we got record players really early and he would take us out. And uh, yeah, you got, you know, every weekend go buy a record or he'd loan us stuff or make us tapes. So and definitely like classic rock. So. All right. Uh, the other questions I need to know mm -hmm. about grade school yeah fights uh i was not a fighter but i do have a good fight story for you okay uh, when you're when you're a child yeah this is this is one that i call my first fight okay and i think it's it's really good um so i think it was fifth grade i'm walking home with my friend nate fox and we reach a certain point where he has to take a right and i take a left and i don't know how it happened but we're we're walking we're getting kind of close we're maybe 20 minutes well 10 minutes doesn't really matter and these two kids are behind us and all of a sudden they're yelling at nate like hey we're gonna kick your ass today we turn around it's kids from our grade and one of the kids names uh is tanner freeble and it sounds like a fucking bully name to me <laughs> and he's got red hair so this is like my scott farkas and i later became friends with him and tanner freebold tanner freeble 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 jeez yeah he was, he was big for a kid sure and i'm small so we're, we're walking and uh, we're getting, and, and, and they were literally punching their hands into their fists behind us like and, and saying shit like, today we're going to beat you up. No. But they were only saying it to Nate. So I knew I was going to get to this point where, shit, I got to go left. You got to go right. I'm not dealing with this. They don't want to beat me up. They're calling you out. And uh -huh. I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. So right as we get to the point where we're going to have to break apart, a car pulls up, fucking passenger side door swings open. It's Nate's mom. And she's screaming at him. I was supposed, you were supposed to meet me at school. You're missing the dentist appointment. We're late. We're late. Get in right now. And he turns to me and kind of gives me a smile. And I was like, see you later. <laughs> so he gets in the car. He's out of there. And now the two bullies uh, are like, oh, well, now that he's gone, you're getting the ass kicking today. Oh, shit. Right? So I'm, <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, fuck. I'm so fucked right now. Um, and just to be clear. His mom showed up and allowed him to do the thing you were going to do. You were going to bail. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what Nate did to these poor boys, but uh, he probably had it coming that day. 
<laughs> so now I'm the only option, you know? Fucking sucks. Yeah, I was absolutely going to bail on him. I didn't know what was going on. I was scared shitless. You okay. Know? Um, and now you're alone. Now and I'm alone. the focus is on you. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I start making kind of a fast beeline over this uh, little hill to get home, get out of the situation. And they chase me down and push me down on this person's lawn. And they're fighting in someone's front lawn now. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so this is what they do. So the sun is behind them. I'm on my back looking up at them. So I've got two silhouettes. Yep. And I, Dave, I'm not joking. They're, they're putting their fist into their palm and they're just repeatedly said, okay, now we're about to beat you up. I'm going to punch you in the nose. You see what I'm doing? I see what you're doing, but it's not. Put, punching my hand into my empty hand <laughs> there. And, but they're saying like, we're going to punch you in the nose. And then I'm going to punch you in the stomach and we're going to beat you up. But they didn't, they didn't really do anything. It just like took a minute for them telling me what they're going to do. Right. And I'm still fucking petrified. So the only thing I come up with was pointing behind him and going, Hey, there's somebody I know really well. And they both turned around and I got up and I fucking ran. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> so it was avoiding your first yeah, fight. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of hoping you were going to say you just yeah. started punching into the silhouettes. No, no, no. I was terrified. No. <laughs> And then I spent the weekend down at my dad's, and both my dad and my stepbrother were like, oh, first thing you need to do on Monday morning is go and fucking hit both those kids in the face. Oh, okay. This is great. Yeah. What year is this? I want to say fifth grade. So, shit, I don't even no, know. No, is it 80? Yeah. Right around there. Well, it'd be 84, 85. Oh, oh fifth, okay. I'm jumping up a little higher. Yes, yeah. you're right. So, it's early 80s. Yeah. Early mid-80s. Yeah. So, so, this was, your dad and your brother said, go to school, uh-huh. walk up. Punch that kid in the face. Yeah, I don't disagree with that advice. It's, I mean, it's it's hard to hear when you're terrified. Everyone learns from that. Yeah, but you can't do it now. No, and you couldn't have done it then. Oh, I think I could have. Yeah, you you could have, but you would still got. I mean, you would still have gotten in trouble. You would still got expelled or 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 suspended or you you know would have gotten like a day off. And ultimately, whatever man, because it's probably going to be a man. Yeah, uh, like was the principal. Would have probably heard the story, and he would have had to have like you know done the justice or whatever. But inside, that guy knows. That guy knows what happens. Yeah. Boys need to get punched in the face. <laughs> well, it yeah, it's a different time now. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's it's. I'm certain people that are I, celebrating it a little bit right now. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm certain that if if I had done it, it would have been like one or two day dis- suspension, and then da- I would have told dad, my brother, and they would have taken me out for fucking ice cream. <laughs> I, 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 there wasn't any fear that I'm going to get in trouble. Right. Uh, that like the world is going to collapse. I'm sure mom would have been pissed, but I went back to school, uh, the next, you know, Monday and I never saw these kids again. No, I mean, they're in my grade, so I must've seen them, but they never fucked with me. They never followed me and Nate home again. It was just one weird random. It was just thing. what they were doing that day. Yeah. And I talked, huh. I talked to Tanner years later and tell him this story because he's actually the first person to give me a guitar, traded my guitar for a Nintendo 64. Oh, the kid who was going to punch you? Yeah. He's like, I don't remember this at all. And I'm like, fuck, it's such a great story. It was so influential in my life. You guys like, threatening me by punching your fist and telling me, I don't want to suck you right in the fucking ear. You know, like, why didn't you just hit me? Like, I wanted more... Oh, you felt cheated by the situation No, also. I mean, I'm really glad it didn't happen, and it, it cracks me up to this day that it went down <laughs> the way it did, because it just seems so weird. But yeah, as I get older, I'm like, that's so weird, because they pushed me down, and I felt like I was there for like a good 45 seconds. I'm sure time oh. uh, you know, mm-hmm. expanded, or it felt like it was a lot longer. But yeah, why didn't they just start pummeling on me? <laughs> you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe they were scared to hit somebody, like I was. You know? Right. Yeah. It could have been. So yeah. that's, that's, a, that's into... Well... 
It's just a cute story. No, it's good. It's, I'm just trying to think of, you know, I'm trying to think of just the right pronouncement on it, but it is what it is. Yeah. What about girls? <sighs> when you start thinking about girls? Probably f- sixth grade, fifth grade. I feel like I was a late bloomer for sure amongst all my friends. Like I was still playing with GI Joes, right? <laughs> they, they were liking girls. Okay. So that, that, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember my first crush. No, no grade school girlfriend. No, I, I think the first girl I ever kissed, you know, behind the gym, uh, was probably seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. I was a really late bloomer. That's, that's fine. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Um, I just have to know, I just need to know where, where, you know, cause grade school is such a, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's so much stuff that happens that's so important because you know, you know, so little. So these little incidents that become commonplace in your life, when they happen for the first time, they can just blow up your world. Well, this is a weird one. So sixth grade, for sure, me and this girl were playing, we had to make, I think it was around Thanksgiving. So you had to make a pilgrim and an Indian, Mm -hmm. you know, like dolls, right? Out of paper. Oh, and a a turkey with your hand. Oh, yeah. 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 Hand turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had, we, she had a female, I had a male and we started having them fuck in sixth grade. <laughs> well, dude, we got caught by the teacher. Oh, she made us sit inside. We couldn't go to recess until we wrote down what we exactly we were doing. Talk about shaming. Oh, wow. How, how, so I, I'm like, oh, we we're having them play tackle football, bring it up to her. And she's like, that's not what you're doing. Go back. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, no. you know, probably, it probably took me three drafts. She got my friend, she got first draft, you know, boosh. <laughs> what did she write? <laughs> um, so we're, we're making the dolls have sex. Okay. I'm going to fucking recess. So I sat there <laughs> trying to figure out a way to get out of it. So there's probably, there might've been even more like weird shaming about, you know, yeah. Maybe that had something to do with it. Because I, I, mean, I thought about that recently. I was like, fuck, man. You're making a, a, a 10-year-old sit down and write out that, yes, I'm making dolls have intercourse, fucking, having sex. That doesn't seem appropriate to me. No. You just let it go. You let, and to... you let me go to recess. That's not, yeah, you, I think that's right. Yeah. Well, maybe really? this teacher was upset that it was an interracial situation. <laughs> Did well, you ever think about that? No. No, I never went there. She was cool. I think maybe, you know, it's... A good, it might have been a good story for her to tell her friends when she got off work. Like, I made these. Hey, check this. Check, this, check out what I did today in the fucking lunchroom with all the other teachers. The funny thing is, I know some teachers, and I've heard them tell stories about kids they had to deal with. Yeah. And it's usually, yes, it's usually like this little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel like I was, I was pretty quiet, like wallflower. I never really got in trouble. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I ever got in trouble for in school, I guess. Or the, uh, the only thing I got caught for, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. You just learned how to fly under the radar. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you play sports? Um, was on a soccer team and on a swim team, but not swim team was a private club. Well, that's a, is that when you're grade school or a little bit older? Uh, so soccer would have been middle school. So fourth, fifth, sixth. Um, I was on a team and we won we got as far as we could within, I don't want to say state, but within our, we, we creamed fucking everybody. And it was because of these two twins, Jason and John, these kids fucking smoked everybody. Next year they moved, mm-hmm. same team, lost every fucking game. You know? Yeah, yeah. And they moved me around every position. I remember, you know, at one point I was the goalie and we had like just a small little goalie thing. But this kid's coming at me, and he looked like six ten, you know. <laughs> and he had the he had the fire in his eyes, like I'm going to demolish you, you little kid. And when he got close to me and got ready to kick the ball, I would just duck. <laughs> so my coach is like, "All right, you're going back to the wing. You, you can't know? be a goalie." <laughs> yeah, they tried me in every position. 
But uh, oh, and I'd get scared too if I was running and I had uh, I would get out in front of somebody and just seeing another kid coming across that wanted to cream me, I would basically just like hmm, kick the ball just a little <laughs> bit too far. Here, just have it. <laughs> but I mean, later later on, you know, we played. Uh, me and my friends all played uh, tackle football after school and stuff. So yeah. I, I learned to take a. I got a tooth knocked out playing football. Um, so on someone's knee. A rock on the ground. I think it was the back of his fucking head. Back of his head? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Played I just, tackle football too. Yeah. And then we would play it at lunch in junior high and we'd get in trouble if they caught us doing it. So we had to play touch. So it touch always evolved into tackle. Yeah. But it's just because there's no teachers around so we're playing real. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to play touch football. You're dumb. You have to be a fast runner to do that. <laughs> you can't like break. You know, I was never... To be clear, I was never good at any of it, but yeah. if I was going down and being stopped, it should hurt. Like I just, it, that's always been kind of my philosophy. Yeah. It's like, I just, I'm not, I'm not a fast runner. So I'm not playing this game or getting anything out of it. Like, yeah. I guess I never, yeah. Organized sports. I ended up doing the swim team because being away from my friends every other weekend, all my friends, families had joined the, the swim club and uh, there's also a beach there. So, um, so I talked my mom into I'd, I'd come back and spend the weekends here and all my friends would be at this private club. So even on the weekends I was here, I didn't always get to see them. So there was a, two or three summers where mom said, yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's put you in there. And then I ended up on the swim team cause they were all on the swim team and I learned to swim at a very early age. So it wasn't a big deal, but, uh, definitely was the fat kid wearing speedos. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> did you do all right? Or did you enjoy it? Oh, no, I loved it. I lost every single race. Okay. Um, there was one medley that, so our our swim team, we were a smaller swim team. So you'd compete against school or private clubs that had uh, most kids would do one race, and that was the race they excelled at. We had to do four races, and they knew their races like the hundred meter butterfly that they're going to lose because they don't we don't have the guy for it. But Holcomb, he loses every fucking race, so let's put him in that. <laughs> so I did the toughest event, and I mean I'm not exaggerating. I'm pretty sure that every time like I hit the the first wall to turn around the other kids were finishing. So here I am, you know, swimming. And then, you know, by the time they get to, I'm getting out of the pool, it's like three parents going, yeah, good, good job. Good job. That was nice courtesy. Yeah. And then, so I'm in Speedos, fat kid. And uh, mom would be like, here's a quarter. And I'd go to the snack bar and get a fucking Snickers bar, <laughs> you know? And so there I am at summertime. It's melting down my hand. I'm in Speedos, fat kid. And I'm just like, got chocolate all over my face. Got the Snickers bar, <sighs> Snickers bar. And they'd be like, Mark, you're up for your next race. And I'd be like, you know, oh, mom, hold my Snickers bar. And I get up there and she's like, wipe the chocolate off your face. So, well, the pool will just do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to move fast enough in the pool for it to actually. <laughs> so, and the funny, I was, t I was telling the story because I have a friend at work who absolutely loves the story. And if I could find a picture of it, I gave it, I gave it to a friend. This to me was before shaming. So I'm, I'm the fat kid wearing Speedos. I just didn't like, I wasn't embarrassed. No, you didn't know. No, I was never the fat kid that like wore a t-shirt. So we don't have a photo of this, but I feel like I should commission Matt Motswoka to draw his yeah. version of that story. Because that would be pretty fantastic. He'll hide a dick in the picture. Oh, yeah. But um, but it would look <laughs> In the Snickers cool. bar, most likely. Probably. You know, shit. <laughs> You're right. That's the, the <laughs> chocolate. Kind of like a little veiny. The the other, this, okay, so this this goes back to girls as well. Mm -hmm. So I think I was, I can't, I can't remember the ages, but I'm, I want to say seventh grade when all the schools combine. There was a girl that I had a crush on and just never had the guts to ask her out. So I'm on the swim team. Uh, it's like a Tuesday night, and this is the night I go out to dinner with Dad, but I didn't realize that it was uh, that night. 
So dad calls and says, hey, I'm taking you out to dinner. I call the swim team and I'm like, hey, I, I can't make the meet tonight. And the next day, uh, my friends are like, oh, we know why you didn't, you didn't show up. And I was like, what are you talking about? I had a dinner with my dad. And they're like, no, it's the girl that you like. Her name is Jessen. They're like, Jessen's on the other team and you're too embarrassed to be walking around fat in your fucking Speedo in front of her. Okay. No, no. I, I remember thinking, thank fucking God dad came and got me. Is that the first time you thought of that? Oh, you hadn't thought of it before. I didn't know she was on the other swim team. Oh, so I would have randomly showed up and had to do four races fat in a speedo. And this was the time of, I would have been ashamed. That would have been really Uh, crushing to me. So So you must have quit shortly after that. I finished out the season and then was was done with it. Yeah. Never asked her out. You should have though. You should have. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I regret. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long time ago, but it it wouldn't have gone much further, but. Well, even if she said yes or no, I could have gotten over this weird crush. And yeah. it was like, I wasn't able to talk to her. I barely made eye contact with her, you know, until yeah. we were like seniors, you know, and then it's just not a big deal at all. But boy, I, my development might have come along. <laughs> I just had a little bit more bravery. Instead, you, know? you you got the whole, if you'd been there, you would have been embarrassed. Then you had to like oh, that been parse bad. that out in your head. Yeah. Well, that, that a was different also the, kind of trauma. That was the first year where we, all the schools had combined too. So I'm sure there were other students there that. It wasn't just me and Nate Fox and, and Jason and Jed. You know, it would have been a whole school of people seeing me eating Snickers bars in my Speedo. Yeah. <laughs> you told me at one point that, that you were big when you were a kid. Yeah. And you told me that the thing that changed that was that you stopped drinking soda. That, and I went vegetarian, I think, had a big part. Um, and oddly enough, me, me and some of the boys in Undertow started throwing boomerangs after school. Me... <laughs> I love this look. Yeah. But here my There's so much uh-huh. behind this look that you don't even know. But okay. but hold on. The, uh-huh. Okay, I, we got to put a pin in cuz you're doing this with the guys from Undertow. Yeah. Okay. So we have on. you have an Undertow boomerang story. Oh yeah, me I don't even know about. Me, Murph and, and Joel were big into throwing boomerangs. <laughs> okay, that's that we'll is get to so, it. okay. Yeah. All right. So th- I have a I have a fairly decent picture of you as this kid. Right. Did you get into skateboarding? Uh Okay, so I did have a skateboard. Okay. I was very into the culture. You know I'm going to ask what it is and uh-huh. all the details, so yeah. go for it. It's uh, Val- Valtura? You had a Valterra. Valterra. Okay. It had the dragon on it. Yep. Um, that's all I know. I didn't I didn't soup it up. No, because all of the parts on it were just Valterra parts. Okay. But I, that was a store-bought one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. guessing Toys R Us or yep, Fred Meyer. I think so. It was that and Nash, and I remember being yep. like, thank God Mom didn't get me a Nash. I think Valterra's slightly better than Nash. Okay. So... Uh, Tried a little harder. It, there may have been a high-end Valterra. <laughs> I think we talked about this on another podcast. That they had a team writer and everything. Did they? I it was a cool-looking so. board. Yeah. Um, but I so going back before that, I got a really bad um, bicycle accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, knocked out my front teeth. Got a concussion. Uh, no helmet. Uh, I was actually talking to my sister about this recently because we were racing down a hill. I don't know if she knew we were in a race. Right? Mm-hmm. So the hill gets... It, you hit this... You get near the bottom of the hill and it, it becomes a lot steeper. Yeah. Um, and so my sister holds up smartly and I'm like, finally, I'm beating my sister. Right. So I get to the bottom, Dave, and speed wobbles hit. Yeah. And my hands are just going fucking side to side. I don't remember a thing after this. Right. Oh. So I asked my sister because she's behind me. And I'm like, what? what is your memory of that? She's like, I just saw you starting to spin out and you luckily ended up off the road in gravel and you just started flipping. And I just saw dust. You know, and I, I came to and my teeth were knocked out. So going I to- saw my older brother have almost that exact same accident yeah. when we were racing. I was much younger and I couldn't, uh, 
like he, I couldn't wake him up. So I had to run back up to try to get my grandmother. And then uh, it was it was very traumatic and very horrible and broke his arm. And like, yeah, just awful. Yeah, I remember mom was head over his... heels, bike going with him. Yeah. And so I smashed my two front teeth out and I can't figure out if I smash them on the handlebars. Yeah. Did the handlebar come up? and? Oh, you didn't it? have a, a cushion on there? No. A pad? No. Or did I just bite down so fucking hard that oh. I busted out my teeth? So, because my face didn't get scraped up is the weird thing. Um, and then, yeah, hmm. mom, mom came down before cell phones and all that shit, right? So she had to come down and make sure I was all right and then climb back up this hill to go get the car to take me to the doctor. Yeah. But she came down and she was so freaked out. She just started punching me in the arm. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, I told you. And she was, mom was very kind when we were kids and she would like punch me in the arm. But she was, it was this overload of like, oh my God, my child could have died. Yeah. You knucklehead. Mm-hmm. You know, and this will teach you a punch in the arm. <laughs> and then she, she goes back up and I think the shock started to wear off and probably started crying. My sister took care of me. So, oh God. So then, so my, I think when I started skating, uh, I was then going down a different hill and I was wearing boat shoes or dock shoes and uh, had a, had a wipeout and I was like, okay, I'm done with fucking concrete going fast on concrete. So that was on the skateboard. Yeah. And then you later had a scooter accident. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want you, me to go and get into it? Well, it's, it's, it's a jump in time, but it relates yeah. right to what you're talking about. Yeah. So you need to be in a vehicle, like, like <laughs> enclosed. Like, yeah. No, I'm not good with the uh, the concrete. <laughs> Through the open but, air. The yeah. wind in your hair is not a good no, I mean, thing for you. Later, later in life, I learned to surf a lot. So okay. I, I do have this sort of... And I was thinking about it because I was pretty sure you were going to ask me, like, who, who got me into... Because somehow I was into the counterculture of skateboarding yes i knew all the names uh yeah. Cab- caballero is my favorite because okay. he was probably my height and he could fucking get way the fuck up there sure and then after that it was mark gatorgowski and i must have seen these off like the vision on nbc or cbs things but i don't remember some of my friends being into skating i don't know who my thrasher magazine was. no huh i never had it it's but you knew these guys yeah huh that's so interesting I-, I definitely saw like those those vision tours when they were on tv and thought it was super cool. I don't even remember that. Yeah, there's uh, it was you know, it was all those Bones Brigade guys, and then a couple others. But it was always the, it's in that uh, documentary, uh, Tony Hawk, the Hawk and Hasoi Wars. Oh yeah, uh, Rising Sun, right? That documentary. It's great. So there's there's later when they're they're doing these Vision tours for Vision Streetwear. Yeah, okay. And so I'm, that might that's the only thing I can think of. I okay, mean, I that could have very well yeah. could have been. That it doesn't sound wrong, and then. Or, you know, Gator kills somebody. It's a total bummer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I do want to say that later, when we were, and I'm jumping ahead, but I don't think this will hurt anything. The skaters at our school sucked. Oh, really? They were all born again Christians. Oh. And like skating was like, I go to church, I get good grades. So mom got me this Tony Hawk board. They were fucking lame as shit, dude. So even if I was interested in getting into skating, these kids were fucking nerds and church The skaters? were church skaters yeah it's terrible i mean they were they were fucking square as square can fucking be <laughs> okay so some, somehow yeah i knew about it. i mean I th- there's a couple other things where i'm like how did i get into that but you knew once you were into punk rock stuff you knew a lot of skaters because i mean i was a skater back you know when we met i skated that was my main thing i knew it was cool you know i i, I wasn't doing it but it was kind of, you know you weren't allowed to fucking skate anywhere you know mm-hmm. skateboarding is not a crime that kind of stuff it <laughs> right. was just cool it's like it, there is a punk, it's fucking punk rock. It was when we were growing up, like people would yell at you and, mm-hmm. you know, you guys were fucking rebels. I've right? heard all the story. Well, you were too. You were trying to be. You wanted the culture of it. Oh yeah. 
some somehow I think a lot of counterculture from our era, all that seeped into me, whether I was a part of it or not. I knew the players and the names. Well, then, so I'm assuming that that if you knew the players and the names, and you were, if Caballero was your favorite, yeah. did you find out about the faction? Is that how you discover punk rock music? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Let's do that. Where's punk rock come from, man? It, it, for me? Yeah. Um, shit. I want to say, okay, the first band I got into was Love and Rockets. Okay. Um, and they were on the, they were on MTV. Yeah, they had a really big hit with Ball of Confusion. Yeah. And I think that was on Mainstream, and that probably turned me on to 120 Minutes. Oh, okay. And I've talked to my sister, and I'm so glad that me and my sister uh, have, have talked, because there's some stories that I, I think I was hazy about that she totally corrected me on. Um, so... I always thought that she was a Batcaver slash new wave, right? <laughs> okay. And she's like, no, 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 man. I dabbled in everything, but I wasn't, I, I couldn't commit enough to wear like all black all the time. <laughs> right. And so I've always thought, no, no, we used to, we used to record, and this is true. I used to record 120 minutes every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I got into Love and Rockets and I just thought, man, their fucking hair is cool. They're cool. There's something different going on. They got their ears pierced, you know? They're fucking cool. They look like comic book people. Oh, it's fucking great. So, and, and I bought, bought the record and absolutely loved them. So I think that got me into like the goth stuff. But I always thought it was my sister that uh, turned me on to this. And she's like, no, you're, you're nuts. No, if you were recording 120 minutes, you were recording it, not, not me. But every once in a while she would put on the look. No. It, so the other thing is I thought, and it's funny that this comes up on the you know podcast because I was just listening. I, I'm a huge cult fan. Yeah. Oh, and I have a cult. I have a cult question that your fans maybe can answer for me. Oh, okay. Um, I thought my sister got me into cult. She was dating this guy, Mike Watt, and he was the new wave guy. Mm. So he turned, there was probably a lot of cult being played in the house, and that's how I got into it. And uh, (laughs) he was straight out of uh, less than zero, man. He wore all white linen, (laughs) uh, haircut. Oh, yeah. Dude, he's super. He actually taught me how to play um, Sunday Bloody Sunday. So he was... He was a musician as well. You were playing guitar? Yeah. You were already... Well, we oh, got to figure out where okay. that comes from. But so, we're in this story. Yeah. He um, taught you how to play Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. Oh, do you want to hear this story? or? I want to finish off the story you're on, and then we'll, we'll figure okay. out the guitar stuff. Um, so then I think, you know, I became good friends with Joel, and Joel got into Love Rockets. You have a cult question. Yeah. Oh, the cult question. At the end of... Um, shit, now, what's the song? I sound like a poser. This sucks. <laughs> Love Removal Machine. Yeah. The big hit. Yeah. Okay, the very The end, one where everyone at the time was like, they're just ripping off ACDC. Doing it better. That's what I would say. <laughs> it's a good That's record. Fucking say it. Electric, fantastic record. Love even better. Love, yes. I, uh, they're both so good. Oh, yeah. On. So at the end of uh, Love Removal Machine, he does his solo. He sings uh, Love Removal a couple times, right? And then there's this breakdown right before they go into double time on the drums. And he yells something. And it sounds like he yells, Booga, though. <laughs> so, we have a history of, well, you have a history of hearing things yeah. a little bit differently than how they are. And also, giving people names yep. or pronouncing people's names consistently the wrong way across years and years and years. <laughs> um, and it's, I've always, you know, I do a podcast with Matt Motswoka and I hang out with Matt Motswoka two times a week usually he's per- one of the people i see most of all and i think you always called him matt mamasuka <laughs> sorry dude <laughs> um sorry but like from the early 10 or 7 days to like you know have oh, you ever seen matt mamasuka like and then um i'm actually probably getting it wrong because what what i always thought 
like back in like the firehouse days when we were meeting a bunch more right. people, right. And expanding our base of people that we knew, um, for whatever reason, when you would say someone's name, I always felt like you were adding B's and N's. <laughs> buns so so like <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know why yeah. but like if, if something was like u-k-l-e just to give an example right like for some reason it would, it would they'd have an n in it too and i think it was just your kind of figure speech your way of doing it but it was the mark way like i was always okay. like yeah. i know i totally believe like our buckle becomes our buncle <laughs> when you say it well bunk yeah exactly <laughs> and it's, it's it's like tanner freeball it's tanner freeballs you, yeah. If anything, well, I guess it's all boys. But but what I found was uh -huh. that you're saying a person's name in a way that you were really thinking that was the way to say their name would make it like it, suddenly it's funnier by a factor of ten. <laughs> I, I for sure did this because I, I said uh, I still have a hard time hearing the difference between bagel and bagel. Okay. I would say bagel, and people would say it's it's not a a bag or it's not, not a, a bagel. Yeah. Oh, it's not a bay. It's not Nia's bay. It's like a bag. You you got to say bagel, but I would say bagel or something. I still can't. But can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were there were things that like my parents just uh, specifically mom would just not correct anything. <laughs> Everything in the house was called sheets. So. Uh, you know, I'd stay at a friend's house and I'd be like, "Oh, can you get me a sheet?" And they'd bring out a thin sheet. And I'd be like, <laughs> And I was the I was the guy who was like, "What the fuck are you bringing me a thin sheet?" Yeah, what's, wrong, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, they're, yeah. and they're like, "Do you need a blanket, Mark? A comforter?" I was like, "What are those?" <laughs> uh, the other we only have sheets at my house. The, the other big one is cupcake. Everything was called a cupcake. Mark, would you you know? I, oh, dude, you guys got cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you pointing yeah. at? What, what are oh, you... So there's like a, a plate of blueberries. Like you stay at a friend's house or blueberry muffins, right? You stay at a friend's house and, and mom, uh, their mom has brought out a plate of, of muffins. And I would just be like, yeah, can you hand me a cupcake? My friend would be like, there's no cupcakes here. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking right at him, dude. There's a fucking cupcake right there. You know? And they'd be like, a muffin? Uh, You're like, I don't know that word. What is this? Oh, weird. Yeah. So there were a lot of things that, uh, and then I probably, I mean, and me, I probably continued to call them sheets, knowing it was wrong. You get, and there's definitely a part of me that's like, you get the fucking idea. You know, it's a, it's a sheet. Just fucking give it to me. <laughs> uh, I had a friend whose mom, she's from Kansas. I have no idea. I think when I asked a question, I think I asked my mom, why does so-and-so's mom say words funny? I was told she's from Kansas. Now that actually may not, I have never looked into if people from Kansas have this speech impediment, but wash was wash. Okay. So if you had an A-S-H, there was always an R in there too. And it was weird. So anything she said, and I remember every time she did it, my, I'd kind of like look at her, but I was aware that you don't say anything back to the adult, right? She was very nice. Well, it was very right. sweet. But I always was kind of like, no one else says words like that. I don't understand it. So she didn't, you know, and she just have, she would have been the person where everyone else would say couch and she'd say Davenport or whatever. Like, you know, like it was, what? Did she Is call it even... a hot tub or a jacuzzi? Oh, we were too, no one had that stuff. Like, the, <laughs> did they call it a Ferrari or a, <laughs> no, that was, we were poor. <laughs> I think. Do they call it caviar? No, that's a, that's a that's a fucking Ben Davis thing. Oh really? Yeah, he's like he's like, dude, if you're gonna have sex, it's called a jacuzzi. If oh. you're just sitting in it, it's called a hot tub. And I was like, I I can't. Yeah, I, that's I, a, I totally agree. With I, you. I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. Why would you anyway? That's no. right. 
Yeah. So now when people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go chill in the jacuzzi," it just kind of grosses me you're out. You're like, you're like alone. Yeah. What? <laughs> I guess you know. Yeah. Do your thing, so man. Yeah. Like, but I'm you, not, don't, you don't need to tell me these things. I'm not getting in there. <laughs> but if they were like, "Oh, I'm getting in the hot tub," I'd be like, "Right on, dude. I wish I had a hot tub." I'll jump in there with you. Yeah, but oh, I'm going. I'm getting the jacuzzi. It's slow. You gotta say it's slow. It's something really disgusting. Right. You can feel. Yeah. The way it's yeah. Jacuzzi. Ben, ben was right. I have. I am adopting that today. Yeah. I think I always knew it though. Deep down, some things you just know. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say at the end of the song, I think he says "boogado." The only thing I can think, I've looked it up. It's Dude, not there. You. You, I think he's you said scat. that Ron. Okay. <laughs> you said that Ron on the Brotherhood record says, "Put your pants on." Oh, some of this is Damien. And you said, "Buy yourself a gerbil and get a job." <laughs> and we we. <laughs> We confronted Ron and played the parts, and he agreed that's what he said. Buy a gerbil, get a job. <laughs> but I think this is, comes from Damien. You think, wait, I always, I always said it was you. Because I, I think you were the first one that told me. You might have been telling me Damien's theory. Yeah, I, it could be. It's, uh, <laughs> okay, so I just want to get the last bit of the cult thing out, though. Right, well, yeah. Because I've looked it up, and it's, Dave, it's not there. You know, I had an opportunity to ask Kevin Seconds uh-huh. on this podcast what he says in a song because it's not any of the lyrics. Yeah. And he said, I know what you're talking about. I'm not going to say what can't I tell said. You. I'm not going to say what I said. I think I'd rather leave that out there. can't tell you these things. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that, that uh, what's his name? What is his name? Ian Asterbury? Yeah, Ian Asterbury. I don't think he would. It's not Asterbury. <laughs> it's not Asterbury? How do you say his last name? I think it's just uh, Ian Asbury. How do we pronounce Worcestershire? Worcestershire. <laughs> Thank you. War- <laughs> Is that Workchester? <laughs> how do you do it? So I don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name, but it's yeah. Ian, right? The singer? Ian, yeah. Okay. Oddly enough, uh, a friend of ours uh, cuts his hair down in LA. So you could find out. Yeah, my friend will not do it. This client comes in, I need to be professional. It, it kills yeah. me. Oh, oh. I can't. I, I I have to think that they're probably right about that. Oh, it sounds like they're pretty chummy, though. If you're chummy, you can do it, right? You, but you, can you read? You gotta have a person who can read the situation and know where yeah. stepping over the line is. I think it's okay to be like, I've got this dipshit friend named Mark. He's obsessed with your band. He can't find what you say at the end. He thinks you're sing, singing some sort of scat, uh, which would kind of bum me out. What is it again? Scat. No, no. What is the thing? Boogado. So what? It, so is there a line right before it? No. Oh, it's he just. It's, it's like right. It, it's it's almost like the mosh part's about to happen. Now, could the O part be go? I think he might be saying move it go. Move it go. Okay. But now when you listen to it, it's always going to be boogado. I have the record. Yeah. And I'll be listening to it. Uh, at, I usually make comments at the end of the podcast, <laughs> so I may have to weigh in with what I think it is. Please do. This is in love removal machine. Yeah. Okay. And this is a joke between, I mean, Jason from Sparkmarker, a couple other friends, Ryan from These Arms Are Snakes and Dustmoth. We have a thing. We are getting like matching Boogado tattoos. Oh, I don't want to. I would never want to know what it was then. I don't know. I, I think it's just become this running joke. Like I got them into, <laughs> I got them, I, yeah, I put it in their brain. I think now every time they listen to it, they're probably like, yeah, what is he saying? <laughs> I hope. hope somebody gives me the answer. When you have the answer. You'll no longer have that in your life. And there will be an empty feeling Mm-mm. where it once was. Mm-mm. It's not how it is no, with you. No, I'd be fine either way. If I never know, that's fine. If it's always Boogado and he's singing scat. Or maybe he was just like really pumped up and was like, Boogado! I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. And I'd be fine if it's like that's his girlfriend's name or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Where was she from? <laughs> Ireland, <laughs> Dublin. You got to be from Dublin. Dublin. <laughs> Did I just do it again? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It's on record. You can go back and listen to it in the podcast. All right, Dublin. I'm out of here. No, hey, well, I you just called me out for mispronouncing his last yeah, name. It's no. totally good. I yeah. I don't know what his last name is. Um. So that's awesome. So listen, when did you start playing music? You're, how did you become a guitar player? Um, so yeah, that, that, that bully, Tanner Friebel, uh, traded me a guitar for um, the Nintendo 64. And my sister was dating Mike Watt, who got me into the cult. Um, Wait, so you got rid of your Nintendo 64. That's actually, yeah. a, we're just not into it? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the original one, right? No. Oh, I got rid of the original one. Okay, the 64 was like... Was like two. That was the one with, with Super Mario World. Okay, this was you yeah. had a little flip up top NES Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, and then whatever. shortly after that, you were like, "Oh shit, I can't play Excite Bike anymore." <laughs> I had the original. It could play Excite Bike. Yeah, but then once you traded it, you couldn't play Excite Bike anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it sucks. I remember that because I, I found you a copy of Excite yeah. Bike in the, at, a, at a pawn shop yeah, in the nineties. Yeah, when I was living in New York, I got that first version <laughs> of Nintendo and was like, "Oh, you can go to pawn shops and get all these old games." And Excited Bike's really fucking hard to find. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. You can make your own that uh, was, courses. Yeah, I can stay up till four in the morning. I'm signed to a major label. I got nothing to do. I'm going to stay up till four in the morning and make new fucking tracks. That was, <laughs> that was my goal. I have it made. I wonder if anyone does Excite Bike Let's Plays on YouTube where they make tracks and then film themselves, like screen record <laughs> themselves playing it. And if not, I have a new goal. <laughs> good game so yeah traded traded to the bully um and then uh so you, you had never played guitar before this no and you just thought i want a guitar yeah i played music in in grade school played the trombone and then the next year uh they didn't want me to play trombone because i'm so short you actually mm -hmm. extend to hit certain notes they're like this doesn't work and i was right. like well then fuck you i don't want to be in the band and they're like okay we'll let you do it the next year. The <laughs> I can't do the trumpet. I'm not yeah, doing it. Yeah, I don't. This is what I want to do. Uh, I'm doing it. Precursor to how I've lived my life. <laughs> uh -huh. It's very good. Um, and then the next year, I was like, trombone sucks. I don't like carrying it to school. Um, so I'm going to switch over to saxophone. And my, my teacher was like, it's a different mouthpiece. We generally have somebody play the clarinet for a full year. And I was like, screw it. Then, I'm, then I quit. <laughs> and he's like, all right, you can play saxophone. Uh, so there was, there was some, yeah, I was, I was playing music and then I think I came back the next year and was like, all this is fucking stupid. Like I, I want to play guitar. And they're like, well, you know, we, we, you can't play guitar. And I was like, cool. I quit. And was done. And then senior year in high school, they, they did have a guitar class. Okay. But I think Mike Watt has started showing me stuff on guitar. And then, so that must've been seventh grade, I guess. Cause Greg Anderson came along. He dated my sister. Mm-hmm. And but you already had a guitar at that point. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Had the guitar. Um, now, so Greg Anderson dating your sister—that's a—that's yeah. the big impact point. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's talk about you getting this guitar. Was it an acoustic guitar or electric guitar? Electric guitar. It was. Uh, Did you have gear with it? Uh, I think my dad probably bought me like a small little practice amp, little, okay. little speaker. And and he dad was always good about upgrading Christmas and and especially once I get, the band started doing stuff. He was always very, very helpful and supportive about Christmas and, and birthdays. I knew I could be like, okay, I'm thinking about this. You just step the band up by getting a little bit better gear. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Fan that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it came with, uh, you know, uh, chores as well. But sure. Yeah, he was he was super cool. He was super into it. 
Nice. Okay, so you have this guitar. You're yeah. not taking a class. You're just learning from friends. You're learning from Mike Watt, not the Mike Watt. Uh, not the Mike Watt, correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I think I took like four lessons outside of school. There was an acoustic guitar, and then school started. So that would have been during summer. School started, and then, uh, yeah, then I had guitar lessons in, in high school. And then the band formed quickly kind of after that. And the, the band formed because of Greg Anderson? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Greg. So I, at some point, my curve went from Love and Rockets and The Cure mm-hmm. and Mission UK. And you were into The Cure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, so that was one year. One year I was goth. And then I I think Joel got me, Joel DeGraff, the singer. Can I get ahead this far? Yeah, well, you're in high school. We're, we're here. Yeah. We're here. So you've met Joel. How did you meet Joel? Oh, we were just friends in school. Uh, school. We, we, didn't, we didn't grow up together. So we would have had our schools joined in seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I think he actually became good friends with my friend Jed, and uh, and through Jed, me and Joel started hanging out more. Um, and he was into music, so we would trade music. And I think he actually got me into. I went from the Cure and all the goth shit to. Uh, I remember going to Oregon Coast, and I got Corrosion of Conformity, their first record. I got DRI dealing with it. I, I know. A, it's in there. It's got to be in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Dead Kennedys. Um, and then there was another like classic, I think Joel had said, check out these bands right. and, and mom gave me money to go buy four new tapes. And those were the four I bought down there. Cassette tapes. Yeah. And then you did corrosion. Yep. DRI. Yep. Dead Kennedys. Yep. Black flag. No, I never really got into black flag. Okay. I can't figure out the fourth one. Huh? Might have yeah. been another Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Phil Collins. It might've been the new Genesis record, dude. I don't know. It's it's kind of racking my brain a bit too. I'm right. thinking it about needs it. to be something that contradicts the sounds of the others, like a little bit, like a little something a little less aggressive. But that's I mean, okay. it might have been, you know, uh, shit. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Mystery. So that okay. So on Joel's advice, I believe so. Yeah, because I don't know where else that would have come from. Again, earlier I would have always gone back to it was Greg, it was Mike Watt, it was my sister, and I'm finding out that that's not true. So it had to be Joel. So Greg, Greg isn't in the picture yet. He's just about to enter. Is Ryan Murphy in the picture? No. We knew him. We were we went to um, junior high with him. From now on, we'll be calling him Murph. Murph, yeah. But it's Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Um, and we knew him uh, partly because, and I, I can never, I might be exaggerating, it was either eighth grade or ninth grade. He showed up, and he's, there's a class picture of him uh, in, I, I really think it was eighth grade or seventh grade. Shows up, first class picture, it's got a fucking mohawk. He's got a chain with a lock around his neck. He's wearing a ripped up shirt with Johnny, uh, or not Johnny Rotten, but uh, what's the singer's name? Sex Pistols. So, no, okay. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Rotten. Yeah, yeah, Johnny Rotten. And, and it says, when I grow up, I want to be an anarchist. And I'm like, dude, this kid's, this is fucking eighth grade. It might have been seventh, you know? Fucking rad. So you knew, I knew there was, Murph was out there, you know? But I wasn't cool enough yet to, to know. And he was hanging out with like the punk kids. Right. And, and we, and you were, didn't know those kids. Uh, no, no, we, we were friendly with the hardcore punk kids, but, um, we were, yeah, we were, we were transitioned from goth to now dead Kennedys. And then that's when Greg Anderson comes along and is like, Oh, you like that? Let me, let me show you something a little bit. Oh, so, suicidal tendencies. That's what I think the tape was. Well, that's perfect. Okay. Perfect. So because it's, I'll, it's not, it's not like you bought three and then you bought something else to, to satisfy no, the gossip. No. Another cure tape. You can get head on the door or something you got. Yeah. You got 
Su- of course, suicidal, DRI, yeah. dead Kennedys, and, <laughs> and what, corrosion. Right? Yeah. Fantastic. I hopped right into that. And then, and then the great thing was, you know, my sister's dating Greg, and Greg plays guitar, so we could do stuff together. But, now, he oh, sees that you bought these tapes? Yeah. And it, so you well, come back from the Oregon shore, yeah. whatever, right? You've got these tapes. Greg's over? Yeah, Greg was hanging out at our house quite a bit. Okay. Um, and he's like, what you got there? Yeah. Is that yeah. really? Hey, 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 little guy. What? Well, yeah, we were. I, so I want to say my sister was 16, so I would have been 12. So there was a period, maybe even a little bit later, but I guess it doesn't matter too much. Um, yeah, there's. we were probably playing music in the house uh, on stereos. Okay. And Greg befriended me really quick, and we got along really quick. And I, you know, he was in False Liberty. Yes. You know, so I knew he was in a band. Okay. Um, and yeah, there was. We would go down to uh, Cellophane Square and buy records as well. And he would be like, oh, you know, what are you looking at? And he would show me. So he, he'd, go, he'd take you down there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me, him, and my sister would all uh, go down when it was at the older spot, not on the Ave. It was on 43rd or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so he'd take us down there, and we'd buy records, and we'd just talk about music. And he's like, I'm going to make you some tapes. You like, you're getting into suicidal, and you're into DRI. You're starting to like the faster stuff, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to make you some tapes. Nice. And the first tape he made me was, um, so it's like, I think it was bold and then crippled youth, but he had the liner notes. Yeah. yeah. These kids are your age. Nice. This seriously is, is the beginning of, he um, gives you bold and crippled youth on a cassette and, it, and, he's, and it's got, and it says these kids are your age. Yeah. Crippled youth was on there. You could start a band, find some kids at your school that are into the same thing as you. You can start a band. I'm in a band. That's how we did it. You just meet people. Fucking bomb hits. Right. There, <laughs> right? Did I just blow your mind? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fucking it's great. You today, what else is on it? Uh, no, this is cool because I there was a bunch of straight edge bands. I know there would be side by side must have been on it, but then he also put on like, and I don't know if I can ever get this one right. Is it Celtic Frost or Celtic Frost? I don't know. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> fucking let's move on. <laughs> yeah, they were on there. I mean, he put on uh, Melvin's was on it. Um, so there was some other stuff. Like, yeah, dude, here's here's what I'm into, but I'm also into this. Yeah. I think you might dig it. And this. That might have been the trend, like, kid, you're into Dead Kennedys. I'm going to put some shit on there for you. But what I really want you to listen to is the crippled youth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's how that, that played out. Um, and Okay. So he's in False Liberty. False Liberty breaks up. Yeah. And then he does Inner Strength. No, it's... I don't remember. It's not Inner Strength. There was a band in between because my sister would go see them. And I wasn't allowed. Okay. But then he's like, Vic Hart was in the band with him. Well, so how long after how long after he gets you this tape does he have you come sing on the Brotherhood thing? He probably gave me the tape. I want to say eighth grade. We started having band practice right around that time, and it was some. I want to say it was November or October. He calls me up and says we need backup vocals. You know, like they do on uh, Sick of It All Records. <laughs> uh, so if you want to come down, and uh, we're like, yeah, within a year. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thirteen. We're 13. Yeah. Now, when you say, so you guys are already having band practice. Yeah, but we wanted to sound, we okay, so we meet Murph. You meet Murph. Murph now, Anderson, didn't you, sure. there's something about walking down the street. Something about you and Murph walking down the street. I don't. Remember hearing a story when you weren't friends yet, and then you were like walking down the street, and you had some conversation. I no? Don't, no, I don't Maybe know. that's a Murph story about you. Could be. I don't, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you can Actually, the way that story plays in my head, uh-huh. like it's Murph's voice. <laughs> so there's something that Murph remembers about walking down the street with you. It's, okay. And that dude, I heard this in the middle of the night in a van in 93. So I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't remember. We, we lived really close to each other. So we were within okay. walking distance of each other's houses, uh, probably just like a mile and a half away. 
So I don't I don't totally remember. I just doesn't it sound like Murph? I used to always see that kid walking down the street, and then then we were playing music together. Yeah, I, I this is kind of my recollection of kind of how it went down, and I could be totally way off. But me and Joel were friends. We were like, we need a drummer. I think Joel had a class with Murph. Was like, they they became boys, and it was like, you play drums, I kind of play guitar. Uh, I've got a basement. We can get together and do this. Okay. And initially, I wanted. I think in the back of my head, I sort of wanted it to be the Cure. Okay. Like kind of gothy. I'm definitely into that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be the bass player. I remember going to bed at night and listening to the Cure and being like, the bass player was cool, man. He wrote it low. His bass low. He always. He seems like he always had a shirt hanging out the back of his. <laughs> oh yeah, just like a little soy yeah. class over there. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, and they always had you know they were wearing you, sneakers. You that loved was their cool. hair. Yeah. You thought it was cool? Yeah. You're kind of bummed out in the Cure in Orange where he comes walking out and he throws off the wig and he's got short hair. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I stopped listening to them after Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Okay. I still enjoy it, but that's like the period where I was like, oh, sure. Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Uh, so then there was- I just... never let it go. I, okay. I I never let it go, but I, I was, you know, I just kept the Cure along with, I was always one who just added things and uh-huh. I didn't, well, I don't listen to this anymore. No, I still listen to this and now I'm yeah, listening to this yeah. also. No, I think- <laughs> It was there would have been some shaming in my crew if. Uh, but I I have never heard and I love the idea that Refuse originally your original intent was to sound like the Cure. That's what I wanted to do. That's awesome. Uh, but me and Murph quickly agreed we want to sound like the fucking Accused. Okay, that was absolute because <laughs> they're fast, they're punk. I needed to if he's not into the Cure, I need to find some common ground. The Accused was the common ground, and then I started making them the tapes that Greg was making for me. And we all kind of talked about straight edge, which is so funny because you're 14. It's not like you can go out and get a beer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, no, you can't go out and get a beer, but yeah. it's about the time you're going to steal shit and get drunk with your friends. I guess so. So you'd never. So you is that around the time you guys all went straight edge? Yeah, I. I What's sort of, the day? I don't know. See, it's got to be right around that Brotherhood record. Yeah, I don't remember the day, dude. I'm sorry. Did you all? That's okay. Did you all? Um, do I think it there the was same? A, there was a meeting. It was, it was a, a sit down. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, we're all going to be straight edge. What do you think? I'm really into the straight edge thing, and I think we should do it, man. Like, we're all kind of in a positive, and we want the world to be different. And I think there was also, early on, there was this idea of, we fucking hate the jocks, we hate the hicks, the skateboard kids are fucking Christians, fucking squares, we fucking hate everybody, and all these people are out there doing kind of the same shit that irritates us. Yep. Let's just fucking go get drunk in the fucking woods and all this shit. And I know that's really like you all get drunk in the woods, but you all think you're different in some way. Yeah. So it, no, I dude, this is, a, we right. are in the same exact place in our yeah. lives at that time. Cause it's the same thing for me when yeah. I was that age. Yeah. I think there was, there was definitely a, uh, fuck authority with all of us. We're going to yeah. do what we want. We don't, we are putting ourselves in a position where we are going to be the most hated kids in our school. Well, yeah. And it's, <laughs> and the weird thing is, is fuck authority. I mean, a lot of those kids that were drinking, smoking weed, doing whatever yeah. they were doing. I'm sure they thought they were fuck authority, but weirdly, like, mm. <laughs> being the exact opposite of that and not be, not yeah. drinking was more so fuck authority because it was fuck the authority of your peers. Yeah. Yeah. On so, top of, you know, may, maybe all these people are saying that you shouldn't drink as teenagers, but all those motherfuckers did it and they all mostly all live in a society where they go out to bars and they drink after work. I mean, they're just, you know, that's your just practice to be like them. So fuck all of them. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only difference is that I totally still feel that yeah, way. Yeah, no, that's cool, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't, like, and that, that's fine. Like, most of the people, almost all the people I've ever known that were involved in straight edge with me are not straight edge. Now, yeah. The numbers change 
as as the different kind of like waves of the scene come in. Like once you hit like two thousands, uh-huh. that's a pretty hardcore crew. Like there, those the, some those guys have it. Like there's some real lifers in that crew. So cool because it's just. But they had more to look at. Yeah, I think they had more to look at when making the decision. So you might have had a more of a uh, of a of a winnowing out even before <laughs> the claim before claiming edge. You know, um, but yeah, I don't care. That, whatever. You know, I fucking love. I love all these guys. Yeah. They're they're extra edge. It doesn't. It's it's maybe a little weird that I still am in my forties. It's not even. It's not even that. Like, it's just it's, it's, my life works. Yeah, I'm not seeking a way to to change it in that way. No, and I I remember being straight edge when people are like, "Well, you haven't experienced this and that. You're you're missing out on life." Right? I don't I don't see it that way. Fucking live your life the way you want to. Yeah. You did know? you ever Did you so, ever drink or anything before had, you went straight edge? I had a beer. Oh, okay. And it tasted like piss. It was awful. Yeah. It wasn't a hard decision for me at all. And I, and I just lo- I love the the fact that yeah I'm really I'm gonna tell everybody to go fuck themselves. That was a big part of it. I'm doing my own thing. Nobody's gonna fucking see that. I loved drinking. Yeah, and that's. I didn't do drugs. I mean, I was terrified of drug use because of family stuff. Right. But I really enjoyed drinking, and I wanted to drink the hard stuff. I mean, I wanted whiskey. So it was like, it's a good thing. It's a a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's. I always knew it was a good thing. I wasn't doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Murph. Murph's still straight edge. You fucking awesome. You Murph Pettibone. I know I've got you know that's problems. a if you were to take if, if if that group is is you Damien Murph Pettibone well no and Joel because Joel's in this story so, but that's right. that's fifty percent oh yeah no, and I'm not is. in the band but I was involved with you guys at the time in yeah. this story so I'm, that's why I'm putting myself in the group yeah no but yeah that's that's not even that I mean that's probably better than than most. I think it's really good odds yeah it's really good I mean 1993 <laughs> there's five of us in a van three of them are still straight edge I don't think that applies for a lot of bands that are around uh it could be true yeah do, do we get to take credit for that take credit for if you want man yeah my crew's the best <laughs> yeah. better than you oh no better than your crew better than your crew oh, kidding okay so you guys start you guys start playing mm-hmm. and you've got this uh you you've got that solid those solid three pieces but you, you need a bass player yeah uh i think it was originally a kid named josh would have been friends with Murph. Okay, and I I didn't know you guys yet, so I, I'm okay. He would have played. He would have played that uh, Lenny's Basement show. Okay. Um, so maybe I did meet him. He was he was a weird kid, man. I had a lot of crossbows and bows and arrows, and wanted to. Shit, I would have liked that guy. <laughs> yeah, but you would have liked him until he's like standing in front of this tree. I want to see if I can how close I can get to hitting you. Like I'm not fucking doing that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Did he actually do that? He <laughs> yeah. was trying to shoot you. There, there was some sort of I'm, gonna th- I'm throwing the bow and arrow, up, shooting it up in the sky, and we got a. Oh, oh no, no, no! That was my game. Oh, we, me and the neighbor kids played that. There were like five or six of us. We shoot an arrow up in the air. We actually got one with a hunting tip, <laughs> and we'd shoot it up in the air, and then you all, everyone runs in different directions. But the key was you needed to like try to track the arrow, so you didn't like you didn't want to run far away yeah. and actually that's no good if you don't know where it's coming down and someone shoots at an angle it's still come down the top of your head yeah. you need to see it so you can just like jump back a couple feet and it lands in front of you i think my thing was that i don't know you that well and you're, you're you want to play a game with like it seems <laughs> your ideas are getting more and more violent and i they're <laughs> i have this idea for now you're in high school too yeah like i have this idea for a game we shoot an arrow up in the air and see if anyone gets hit you're right that's not a great way to propose it 
I was playing this game with neighbor kids. We'd grown up together and done all kinds of stupid shit together. So oh. it was like, that just made sense. Yeah. I mean, we had that game with the lawn darts, right? Yeah. And you chuck those up in the air and everybody runs. That's the same game. Yeah. But <laughs> as, you know, when you're 14, you're hanging out with a strange kid. Yes. And by that, there was probably already, he was probably a little fucking strange. And I'm sensing this. You Were you kid. doing boomerangs? No, not yet. Not yet. How long until boomerangs come in? That would have been sophomore okay. year. Okay. Sophomore year. And then in summer. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, do you think we can jump ahead to boomerangs or we, do we have something we need to cover before we get to boomerangs? Let's do boomerangs and let's take a break. Okay. That, that sounds good. We, okay. We need boomerangs and we're going to take a break. All right. So <laughs> how did you get these boomerangs? Did you make these boomerangs? No. Store-bought. My friends and I all made boomerangs in shop class in the eighth grade out of laminated wood. Like, whatever. They were really nice boomerangs. They were made, like, and they were deadly as fuck, man. These were, uh, you hit your friend with them and they were hurt bad. Yeah. And we, you know, we learned, we went on on the, on the field at junior high yeah. and we learned to throw them. We got to where we could throw them at an angle, kind of down at the ground, you know, off to the right. And they would just miss the ground by like an inch and then fly up all the way around and come mm -hmm. around. And then the problem was, <laughs> that's a heavy wooden boomerang. I got to catch it. I'm not the kid in Road Warrior. I'm not going to yeah. try to catch this thing without <laughs> smacking so you just my let fingers. it go? Oh, my fingers. Are, you were trying, you know. You, you could kind of... What we found is that, no, we didn't ever learn the catch, oh, that, the clap catch. Mm. That's, but we would kind of run along. <laughs> and a lot of times, if you timed it right or if you were lucky, yeah. it would start almost like another – it would raise a little bit and start to spin, and then you could get it. Yeah. But if, if it was coming in hard, uh -huh. it was no. No, it hurt. So I had a plastic one, and I think Joel and Murph had the heavy wood ones. Yeah. So for me, the plastic one would whip around real fucking fast. Wait, with three – like a Nerf uh, boomerang? No, no, it's just two, uh, you know, rounded on one side, yeah, flat yeah. on the other. Yep. And then it had a little bit of a handle on, on one and not a, not a grip, but yeah. it, it kind of, there was like a, not a ball, but it became circular at the bottom. So you could put your pinky there and really, you know, chuck that thing. And, uh, yeah, we would, uh, I, I went down, my sister's going to Evergreen College and while I went down to visit her on spring break, they were having a, the, like the world boomerang championships <laughs> so this is how i got into it and so I, I ended up buying a boomerang we all got then the three of us got into it and it was great after school and where were and, you boomeranging oh uh behind our high school or up on the field yeah, big field yeah yeah and that oddly enough i don't know why i mean it was definitely wasn't the season but there was no soccer practice football practice or baseball practice so you had the we field had the entire fucking field to ourselves yeah they should have started, started a boomerang class Oh, see, this is how I think I lost a lot of weight. I went vegetarian, but chasing the boomerang around. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> chucking it in the sun is already, you're going to, you know, burn some calories. But I got pretty good that you, you can actually, I mean, people laugh about it, but it's like, no. The real goal is you want to get, you can get that boomerang right, gosh, <laughs> right back to you without yep. moving. Yes. Yeah. And so boomerangs lost their appeal to us kind of quickly mm -hmm. when we were, do, uh, we were throwing them out behind my house. And one of, my, one of the neighbor kids was there and I threw mine and I whipped it. And uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, if this is common for all of them, sometimes they, they get a little height, but sometimes they just kind of stay for whatever reason, this one rode like the perfect, just like one <laughs> foot above the ground and it came, but it still made the curve. And my friend, like, so I, every time I'd ever thrown this before, I expected it to be 30 feet high in the air or whatever, right? Yeah. And it stayed just what, just beeline straight around like it was a rocket that wanted his ankle. And it just <laughs> came around, hit his ankle. He screams and falls. Why did you hit me with a boomerang? You, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh no, I've, I've boomeranged Jason. They weren't, they just went, and he was fine. 
Yeah. I mean, he limped around. I mean, mad at me, thinking I did it on purpose. But I couldn't have made. I couldn't have made that shot if I tried. <laughs> a thousand times out of a thousand, this was just the unlucky. You know. Sometimes the boomerangs wouldn't come back, right? So one of yeah, us, yeah, it's weird. You'd have to run out and get your boomerang. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that all three of us threw our boomerangs trying to hit the other person. <laughs> you know, well, like, it's kind of like, can you get it close to him? Yeah, or hit him. Well, you know? you... <laughs> I'm sure it would have been accepted. Like, fuck, dude, you hit the fucking boomerang. Like, yeah, I got gotcha. you. If really... I hit this kid in the face, it would have knocked his teeth out. Oh, These are heavy boomerangs. Yeah. Well, theirs were heavy too, right? Yeah, yeah, both thirds were. You don't get hit. I don't know. I'm sure we chucked them at each other. And I, right after I say that the original bass player was weird for trying to... <laughs> you, yeah. you said yeah. he was weird for trying to do the bow and arrow thing, and you talked yeah. about lawn darts. Yeah. That's the reason they stopped I selling them. I guess I guess there was just something weird about him. That's I okay. I don't know where he is now. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he, did, he went left instead of right. Got the arrow. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a bummer. Yeah. Maybe he's listening. Could be. Could be. <laughs> You that's the boomerang story. Yeah. You want to take a break? Yeah. We're gonna take break, a quick break. break. Uh maybe listen to our sponsor if we have one. And uh yeah, we'll be back in a minute. We interrupt this program for a word from our sponsor. Motor. Motor is our sponsor. You've heard me talk about them before, but if it's the first time, let me explain what motor does. Motor is a car service that you can summon using an app that will come get you and take you where you need to go. If it sounds familiar to any other thing you use where you get a car to come get you, it's familiar, but it's not the same. It's just simply better. One thing, they have no search pricing. Another thing is they've got great drivers all around the Northwest, Seattle area and outlying areas, Tacoma, Everett, all over the place. You'll be able to get a ride. You're going to want to do this. The drivers are great. They earn more than drivers of other car companies. They are treated fairly. In fact, if you're a driver listening to this and you're driving for another company, you should drive for Motor. Like, honestly, go to their website, ridemotor.cc, ridemotor.cc. You can apply today at the website to become a driver. If you're a person that wants to use the service, you can download the app, have it on your phone, your mobile device, contact them with the app to get a ride, download it at ridemotor.cc. Do this. Trust me, you're going to be happy with it. Hey, we're back. And over the break, Mark said I should bring up The Cure again, which I'm I'm always up for. And I was pointing out that I thought that uh, this late in life, I, I now consider that like 90s, early 90s era Cure, specifically Disintegration, which I realize is probably still 89, something like that. Disintegration and uh, Wish as being really the stuff I, I go to now. I, I like it. It's some of the best stuff. And you said, bring that up again. Yeah. Um, okay, so what, me and Joel... We're into the cure on Love and Rockets. And then we got into straight edge hardcore. So freshman year, me, Murph, and Joel were all X'd up every day on going to fucking high school. You went to school X'd up. X'd up. Nice. Yeah. And people were like, what's that about? And we were like, can't tell you. Does anyone listen to this podcast that doesn't know what that means? <laughs> you had X's on your hands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, the look was uh, sweatshirts, high tops. So we, and then sometimes a t-shirt over it, but we hadn't seen any bands. So we would be rocking our Cure shirts, just mostly me and Joel. We'd be rocking our Cure shirts and our Love and Rocket shirts over our champion hoodie sweatshirts with X's. Right. Okay. And were you uh, were you doing cargo shorts yet? No, I was too. I was chicken. I don't think I wore cargo shorts. I thought <laughs> I would. I would get bullied or something. It was sort of like a because there was 
But basically what you guys ended up doing was just kind of swapping out the Cure shirts for Turning Point shirts. Oh, yeah. Is that pretty much yeah, what it was? Yeah. Because yeah. there were times when, like, you guys had so many Turning Point shirts. Yeah, I don't even know. We and, just ordered them. And people, and people, like, people that didn't, that weren't totally into your thing. Like, some Bellingham people yeah. that were just shitty nose in the air. They'd be like, these fucking guys are all, they just, they all look like they're in Turning Point. I'm like, well, <laughs> the Turning Point people wear their own shirts? They're like, fuck you, they're all wearing Turning Point shirts. Like, they just, didn't, you know. Somehow we got our hands on those shirts. Yeah. Like, we must have ordered them. And then there was, we and then there was a, it was like belts with shirts tucked in too became a big thing. Yeah. And yeah. slacks. <laughs> Whatever kind of like. Yeah, but the, uh, slacks would be more Joel, I'm guessing. Sure. There was, Joel's part of this story. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I think that was kind of a rub later on with him in the band that I think me and Murph were like true punk hardcore kids and Joel was in Morrissey and I mean, that's like a terrible example, but, um, but he was into Morrissey and he was very self-aware of his looks and, and wanting to meet girls and, mm-hmm. and, and he wanted to sing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You want to see that? There, uh, there's a split that comes up, right? <laughs> yeah. And Hey, yeah. I don't think Murph liked Morrissey very much. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. I think that was a place where he, it was too far, but Murph was into the cure. No, no, Murph, no he Murph, didn't wear Murph, cure shirts. Murph was into metal. Okay, good. All right. Murph, so he's not in this group. Yeah. He was just in the. He was in the band. And, and he was acting up, but he wasn't wearing a Cure shirt. Fuck no. Okay, because I was Not like trying, it. for a minute I was trying to get my head around Murph like that. No. Good. No, and, and Murph turned me on to metal. Because I, I, I had, you know, DRI was the closest thing, and I thought crossover sucked. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like uh, Suicidal's um, How Can I Laugh Tomorrow When I Can't Even Smile Today. Do you know why you like that record? Because hmm. it's a fantastic record. <laughs> so yeah, Murph, Murph, Murph got me into Excel, you know? I mean, so there was, it, Murph turned me on to Slayer. I'd never heard Slayer before. So he was, he was my metal dude. <laughs> and then I had Joel as my goth dude. So there you are. right in the pocket, man. Greg Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Upstairs. Fucking Mike Watt. Yeah. So you guys are doing this band yeah. and then you get pulled to sing backup vocals. Yeah. On the Brotherhood record. Correct. Uh, which version? The LP. Okay. So the one that's yeah. out, like not, not a John White. No, okay. no, but uh, John. I mean, John White was. I remember from back in the day. I mean, and you knew him back then. Yeah, because we um, we met Ron really quick, right? So met Lenny Curtis. They were the older kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, Ron's like I think eight years older than me. But Greg and a bunch of those dudes were um, Vic Hart. They were all just four years older. So there was kind of this older older guys crew um, that definitely you know come to our house and play records and you know <laughs> they they fucking uh they warped our minds man so then you <laughs> you go sing on this record yeah that is a classic to this day yeah it's all right <laughs> it is it no, is it is highly great. regarded it's fucking great yeah. yeah and that's that's a and at the time that was a big deal for you wasn't it fucking huge. going into the studio yeah and you know and and also just my friendship with greg was fucking super cool because they i mean Right around that time, they, I guess they had done the accused tour later, but they were like on a flyer to go. I think, I think I was going to go to the show. It was fucking, um, kind of was like hard stance, amenity, uh, no for an answer is the band I'm thinking of. Might have been Chain of Strength. Yeah. And Brotherhood's at the bottom. It was at Gilman Street. Right. And, and I think I was offered to go by Greg and Ron, Mama, let me go. Right. right. Um, but it was like, oh, you guys are in. This because we, we, you know, Greg or Ron turned us on to Revelation and mm-hmm. Maximum Rock and Roll. So mm-hmm. now we're getting fed straight edge from around the nation. You're seeing the ads, in the, yeah, in there, and you're reading the liner notes. Yeah, uh, you're 
putting it all together. The band, you get a, you get your first like New York hardcore record and you look at the liner notes and you're like, every one of these <laughs> bands, if they have a record, I have to have it now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and to have uh, Brotherhood, we love the accused, me and Murph, because they're from Seattle. Like, love GBH, too. Mm-hmm. But this is our fucking band from yeah. our city, right? So Brotherhood was that straight-edge band. They're our band from our city, you know? This is ours. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was really big, to, yeah, Greg and, and then Ron uh, later, yeah. How much longer after you guys do the backup vocals do you record a refused demo? Oof. Don't know. Had to be freshman year. Had to be 14. I want to say it's the end of freshman year. Who wrote the lyrics? Me and Joel split it. I think. You split it? Did yeah. you write Look Before You Leave? Yeah, I did. You're the guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, shout it. The next time I play a show, shout it out. I fucking love it every fucking time. Do people do it? Did you Derek wait? Fredrickson. You get that a lot? <laughs> well, in Seattle, yeah. And it's always Derek uh, Fredrickson. <laughs> listen, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, no, it, it cracks me up. It's just, you know... I, I've written some terrible lyrics, too. And I've done some things that I'm like, eh, you know... Uh, I'd be great if people didn't remember that one. <laughs> but, uh, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, it's out there. <laughs> it's fucking out there. I don't even think I have a digital recording of the Refuse stuff. I'm sure I have a cassette tape. But, but the, I don't know. I've, I've never been aware of one. Yeah. So, okay. We meet. Yeah. We have reached essentially the time, unless there's a specific story from that time that you think is important to tell. <clears throat> no, nah, I can't really think of anything. We've met. And here's what I heard. Refuse is breaking up. Well, not really. They're changing their name. What was the decision to change the name from Refuse to Undertow? Refuse is a really fucking stupid name. But you so, didn't keep the songs. No. Well, we were... I, I, so if we did that demo when we were freshmen, then sophomore year there was nowhere to play. Um, and so there was, a, there was some writing going on. And all of a sudden, you know what? This would be Cutting Away. Wrote Cutting Away during this period. Okay. So 15, maybe 16. Um, and then we So you had out. Cutting Away the whole time, but it's not on the... That no. four-song demo that no. Ron put out. No. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's better. Stillmate than is the first time it's... Oh, Stillmate's on yeah. there? Okay. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It's on Stillmate 7-inch. That's the first right. time right. anybody heard it. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think our music... Because me and Murph both are self-taught, basically. Took a guitar class. I think he had some drum lessons. But me and him just worked it out. Yeah. Um, so now we're... You know, with a year of not playing shows, we started to write more stuff and... and not just straighter stuff, but I, I really got into fucking Swizz. Yes, I was yeah, wondering if you're going to bring up Swizz, because oh, you had yeah. talked about Swizz a lot. Oh, I have then. Swizz tattoo, man. <laughs> I, you know, I fucking love Swizz. And I, Swizz is a big influence on your guitar playing. Yeah, I tried to be. You know, uh, I mean, Cutting Away, I stole from the last song on the Swizz LP. Are you going to say this out loud? Fuck yeah, dude. I, I, love, like, I love this story. I fucking, I'm good friends with Jason Farrell, and uh, <laughs> I told him this story, you know? He fucking loves it. And then, and then he'll tell me, you know, where I got that riff from. ACDC. Like, oh, okay. So just you're passing yeah, down the... Yeah, we started just rapping about like, oh, you know how many times I ripped off, like Undertow ripped off Burn and Neurosis. I mean, straight up. You were you were living in, uh-huh. you were living in the U District, the house in the U District. Yeah, the rat house. The rat house. The rat house. Yeah, you told me some ghost stories there and I made you leave. You remember that? <laughs> you did. I think you kicked me out for telling you ghost stories. You scared the shit out of me, dude. Yeah, we remember we went walking in the woods one time uh, and you may have blocked us because you were upset. <laughs> <laughs> we all Cougar, drove out Cougar Mountain. Yeah, yeah, we all drove out there, and you were just like, "Fuck this, we're going home. Get me out of here." Yeah. <laughs> we, we specifically went to walk around the woods. <laughs> it was a, a, full bunch, moon. a bunch of us. Ron Val was there. Yeah. I don't know if John Martinez was there, but it sounds like it might be right, Murph. <laughs> and we decided we were going to go out in the woods and just see if something happened. Yeah, and 
I don't know why you agreed to do it. Maybe you guys are my only friends. Maybe it sounded like <laughs> I did. It sound like a good idea to you before we did it. I or did you want to object and like I just want to say anything? I'm sure that I was like, this is I don't know why are we doing this because I felt dumb. bad. I mean, I, like. Like, of one, of course, we've already come all this way, and we haven't waited long enough to see if we get killed. So, <laughs> so like, we don't want to leave, you know? Yeah. But it did feel bad. Like, oh, no, no, wait. This is not someone who's... This is someone who's upset about what we're doing. Uh, yeah. You were very unhappy. Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah. I'm sure it freak, freaked me out. So, everyone knows. We went out in the woods <laughs> with nothing. I don't even know if we had a flashlight. No. We were just walking in the dark in a wooded area... A place called Cougar Mountain. Cougar Mountain. Yeah. I think they might have named that because there were cougars. I swear to God, there was a full moon, and that was part yep. of the reason. Let's and go And we out. didn't know. <laughs> here's, what, here's what we didn't know. We didn't know if we were going to encounter Bigfoots <laughs> or UFOs. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but, but something was going to happen, yeah. and no, we just ended up going home. Fucking Sam Squatch. <laughs> Fucking Sam Squatch is out there, dude. Sam Squatch. Oh, no, it's that uh, it's that Netflix show. Um, oh, some boys. It just goes along with. Oh, okay. There's it's, there's a character who's something. What about the Sam Squatch? <laughs> but there's Sam Squatches. I just thought it was just you adding the. You know. Oh, no, I wish I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Okay, wait, hold on. Let's back up, back up. We're we're in that house, yeah. and you're like, I want to show you something. What? And you put the Swizz record on. You're like, get ready for it. And then you play the riff, and then when the rest of like, Ooh, what? And it was a, it blew me away. But I also thought it was so brilliant because it's like you took the last half of a riff and then started your riff with it. He only plays it once. Oh, is that what it yeah, is? At the very end, there's three or four rotations, and each time he does something different. And the very last one is bum 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 bum. Mic drop, right? Nice. So yeah, I, I straight up lifted it. it. Might be in a different key, but but wasn't there? You do it more than once, don't you? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's because I think that day I I was just like. <gasps> You were showing me stuff about your... And I was like, this is... I, I, I didn't think like... It didn't make me think that you were less creative. It made me think you were more creative. <laughs> cool. And I was like, this is this is how you do it. But I mean, you know... Well, I think... <laughs> you know, everybody bites from each other. And you don't want to bite that directly. Yeah, no. Yeah. But um, I had to have that riff, dude. <laughs> I had to have it. <laughs> it's happened to me. It's happened to me later in my life. I'm going to be ripped off shit. Really? Oh, yeah. More More blatantly, huh? Uh, very much so. Uh, one member says, I absolutely stole that from you. I needed to have it. <laughs> I will always give you credit. And to this day, he always gives me credit. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Another member said, well, that's really fucking weird. Really fucking weird that we wrote kind of the same song, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. We gave you our demo of that song. Oh, I know who you're talking uh -huh. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, kind of, it's kind of weird that you got that demo. That's like, not. This happens a lot in uh, stand-up comedy, and it ruins people's careers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. We've all we've all talked about it. It's a kind of a funny fucking running joke. Oh, between, sure. Between uh, our friends and us. And uh, so, if you guys had like similar names, it'd be even weirder. <sighs> what were they called? Jeez, <laughs> <to me>. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love those guys, and it's and it's funny because it's like you know I go to Jason Farrell, I'm like, dude, totally lifted that shit. He's like, oh yeah, but you know he'll tell me stories about where he's been influenced. So it all's a full circle, full circle. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we'll jump back. We've met. Yep. You guys now become Undertow. Yeah. And you play 
a show at the party hall as Undertow for the first time. Okay. Does that sound right? Yeah. I saw that show. Yeah. Believe I have photos from it. Okay. Now, is Petty, Petty Bones playing bass? Yeah. Did he play bass the first time you guys played as Undertow? Uh, yeah. It must have been Party Hall then. Yeah, because I want to say that we didn't... So we didn't play sophomore year, probably changed the name during that time, and then probably had our first show, and by then, John was would have been in the band. There's a Krishna influence in <laughs> fusing the scene. Yeah. Is that where you guys got uh, Nag Champa? Oh shit! I totally forgot about that. Because uh, you guys always burn Nog Champa before you stole, play. No, stole it from uh, the band The Stench out of Utah. Oh, that's a good one to steal from. Yeah, fantastic. Because they, I think I saw them twice. Played a party hall, and mm-hmm. they would come mm-hmm. up and just burn incense. We were like fucking right on. So we probably got the Nog Champa from the Krishnas, but but the, the concept right. was well, d- half an, you got to fuse it. You got to make something <laughs> new out of it, right? Yeah, well, you're not going to burn patchouli at a punk show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do the wrong impression. So. We were coming down for shows, and at the time, I was coming down for shows with Val Wonder. Yeah. You remember Val? Yeah. And uh, and so I remember she, uh, after that show, or after the series of shows that followed, okay. where it was new undertow, it was a lot of white shirts, double XLs or XL, like a lot of big white shirts, a lot of head gaskets, cr- kind of a Christian mm-hmm. influence. And you guys would play, and people knew to sing along it, and it's still standing, Right. <laughs> wasn't that the big, wasn't that the best part? Like that was yeah. the sing-along part. I but did the, the vocals on that, by the way. Oh, that was you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on the uh, four-song demo that Overkill put out. Okay. Right? I don't know. I think, well, I don't know if Overkill put it out, but Ron, Ron definitely ran the covers at that Kinko's because it was black and blue or black and red because uh, uh, he had that way to do mixed color yeah. uh, toner in the machines. All that stuff eventually ended up on that European uh, dude's label that would either steal your shit yep. or give you money for or it. Or tell you he was going to put stuff out and then just add things. <laughs> yeah. Were, yeah. So I know all that stuff's there, but in my memory there was, yeah, there was the blue demo, right, that had the ocean. Yep, yep. Yeah. That's the one yeah. I'm talking about. Okay. And that has this song. But remember Val saying, they, they have their own dances. And so she started doing... <laughs> She, she would do this, like, imitation of what the crowd was like. And, and the thing is, she was into it. Like, she was it was fun because it was a little participatory, right? But she's like, it's, first you do this. And she's, like, kind of hold her hands, like, down, like, like, you know, like, like down her, like this. <laughs> yeah. And kind of, like, like, you know, and you're into the music. And then you get going. And then <laughs> and I remember, like, she was totally explaining it to a group yeah. of one time about how, how you do the undertow dance. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I remember seeing that same kind of spirit of being excited (laughs) in Lex just a few years later. Right. (laughs) Kind of the same, like, there's dances that go with it. (laughs) There, you know who hates that shit more than anybody on the face of the fucking earth? Who? Murph. I'm sure he does. I fucking hates it. But it's the, I mean, come on, man. It's the stuff that... Oh, I think it's great, but you get Murph going about something and he's really fucking smart and really funny and it's maybe a little dry. And so, yeah, if you get him talking about, like, the way kids dance. The way kids dance back then? He was not having it, dude. And that's the thing is, like, that was a thing. Because you needed those elements for people, you know, to grow as a band and get more people into it, you know? And that's kind of what made it fun, you know? I mean, I just, I always hated, I mean, a band like The Stench. Cool. I liked The Stench. Yeah. They they were cool guys and they influenced a lot of people. But I just kind of stood there and watched them, you know? Bands like that were not... I always wanted there to be, there needed to be participation, that line between the crowd and the band. So you had to have sing-alongs or it had to make you want to move or you couldn't, you know. Greg Anderson was good at making it happen in his bands. Yeah. You know, guy in his lap. Oh, dude, so good. Yeah. So 
So I, I just, yeah. And, and mom was good well, too. I mean, resolution too, you know, I, all that stuff was just, it was such a big deal to me. And so I, I really loved that you guys were kind of coming up and then providing that on a, on a, on a little bit younger level, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, then things started to grow <laughs> and then you guys were playing shows at the okay hotel. Yeah. Those are, oh, fucking, I love. So it's two shows. It's the accused and, uh, poison idea. Poison idea would be first. Two different like kind of big undertow shows to a crowd that wouldn't have normally seen you, yeah. but with your crowd mixed into it. Yeah. Especially that accused show. Yeah. I think that was the one that really, really uh, set it off. There's great video from it. Oh yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Uh, and I think you were videotaping it. Yes. A, f- a still photo Ron videotaped okay. it. I think either Ron or Bauer. <clears> you guys, some, one, of, one of you two had a joke about like watch Mark's feet when he plays. Oh, does this ring a bell? Yes. And so there is a point in that video where whoever's videotaping it goes down to like watch my feet. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 That's it's they, and it may have been Bill or it may have yeah. been Ron got Bill's camera. I don't remember what the yeah. story was. There's some kind of connection there, but um, I'm in that video too. That yeah. same video. Like there's crowd shots and I'm just like, there's a lot of hair flying around. And I was yeah. always kind of like, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that I look more like the I'm I'm there for the accused, but I'm stoked well, on her. <laughs> there was uh. There's the the other guitar player for Sunno, along with Greg Anderson, is Steve O'Malley. Oh yeah, yeah. We went to high school. Yeah, right. And, and I was always like, thank God for him too. Yeah, and <laughs> dude, I I love. He's in a bunch of photos. He looks like for people who don't know what he looks like, he looks like fucking Chris Cornell. Yeah, he, really handsome, <laughs> big thick hair, and yeah, he'd always be up front. He's in like a ton of photos and some of the classics. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, this it, definitely in some of the photos on some of the other podcast episodes of this podcast, you can see him in it. Um, so th- th- I think Ron also made a a video with uh, with Madonna's "Justify My Love," where he merged the <gasps> did he merge the video for you <laughs> and the music? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good too. Yeah, there might have been some other stuff on there that we're not going to talk about. I don't even remember. <laughs> you don't want to know. We had this conversation earlier. <laughs> this is something, Dave, you don't want to know. Is it true that I don't want to know? I don't know. I'll tell you on the car ride home. Okay, cool. We got, it's funny. We have a, a laundry list of car ride home conversations <laughs> that can't be on the podcast. And, and, and the truth of the matter is that exists with almost every single podcast that I do. When we have 20 to 30 years of history, yeah. there's stuff that we're not talking about. Yeah. For various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want to make anybody feel bad. We don't want to incriminate anyone. Not. We don't want to incriminate ourselves. Yeah, that's most important to me. Right <laughs> so things start, things start rising. Yeah, and then things started moving. I'm doing the record label. I'm putting out. I wanted to put out hardcore stuff, but I'm putting out the stuff I can put out. So I'm putting out Ten O Seven, and. They're from the east side. They're not really a Seattle band, but they play the party. They play shows with you guys at the party hall. Oh, yeah. And this is where all these people that are in this podcast kind of start blending together a little bit and overlapping. And I haven't had as many east side people on or as many of like, I'm going to. There's going to be some. These podcasts are coming out more slowly because I've already gotten through the people I can get to faster. But I, and I'm still convincing a few people to come on. It took me two years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, we all started overlapping a little bit. And so I, I put out some records, and then um, and then I did that compilation. I did the I did my zine, and I did uh, the This Is My World compilation. You guys were on it. Stalemate Universal. No, the cassette. Okay. Oh, okay. And okay. and there's a Brotherhood song and a Resolution song and a Guy's wow. Lap song in it and Spark Marker and 
So that was the okay. that was the zine and cassette that I had when we were on tour. Oh, so oh, yeah, yeah. And that was when we started talking about putting our stuff on excursion. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, and I I basically my label was this tiny little thing where I would just get a few hundred dollars together, put out a seven inch, try to sell it to the back of maximum trade records with people. Nothing was going on. Then I got an opportunity to have money to put out records. Yeah. And with that, I went okay. Bellingham's too far from the action. <laughs> Time to go. You just up and moved. It was the Ron thing. The Ron, the thing that Ron did for everybody that he always has to have credit for. And I don't mean he has to have credit. He always deserves the credit for. Sure. Is that, oh, dude, I can get you a job and a place to live. Boom. I'm in Seattle. And that's it. No turning back. No going back to Bellingham, you know? <laughs> as much as I might have wanted to for the first six months because you guys were mean. But, <laughs> but <laughs> and that was... Listen, the huge difference. That 90 miles with no internet is a huge fucking yeah, difference. Yeah. So you guys moved at a different speed. And that was what I didn't understand from going to shows is that there was no, like, it was just a different timing. Everything was, so it took me a little while to get adjusted to that. You know, had to happen. I'm glad it did. I did not move back to Bellingham. <laughs> but we got things going. And then part of the deal was while we were working on getting these projects together, like, we're going to go on, we're going to do a U.S. tour. Wow, I feel like we're skipping some. We're skipping stuff. some. Well, let's let's, yeah. let's go back to it. But I'm so this is how I I kind of perceive like how I get into. Oh, you're right. We are skipping some stuff. We're skipping the singer change. Singer change, different bass player, different bass guitar player. player. You're right. There's a lot of changes. <laughs> May, we'll go. You're right. Do you want to keep your thought and then we'll go back? No, to no. It. You're you're absolutely right. I have forgotten that this was a big part of it. You guys actually broke up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's jump back before the '93 tour and the beginning of the modern era of releases of undertow with john pettibone singing this is what happened (laughs) uh our singer joel was into other stuff uh me and murph were into other stuff and we uh just weren't getting along and when you say other stuff it's pretty much morrissey yeah i mean i want to say that maybe uh turning point turning point would be a great example he wanted to sing okay we want we wanted to sound like fucking sick of it all or brotherhood right yeah um, and so he just had a different thing that he wanted to do. And then he started dressing differently than us. As long as it sounds, you know, that's a big sure. rub. Um, and things just started to change. So I think one night we were working at the movie theater, the crest mm-hmm. and a bunch of us had jobs there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, one night, some girl that used to come to our shows said, so are you guys playing next week? And, and it was as simple as this. I think me and Murph looked at each other and goes, I, I don't know who said it first, but it was basically like, I don't think we're going to do the band anymore. And whoever said it first, the other person agreed. Yeah, fuck it. So we were at a point of, I guess, frustration where we're like, fuck it. And I'm sure me and Murph knew we were going to still play together. Yeah. And then it was, I think probably by the end of the night, you know what? Let's let's move John to vocals because he's not that great of a bass player. <laughs> and John, you know it. <laughs> you know and, what, though? Uh, he was visually a great oh, bass player. Dude, he's great on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, I mean, maybe you're right. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just, right. Okay, yeah, but but someone has to someone has to be here for John in this. But like, I got some great photos of John playing bass. No, dude, he, he was he was great. I mean, and he was our friend for a while too. So it was super cool to have. Uh, and he was East Side, so there's sort of this mm-hmm. the scenes growing feel. And um, yeah, we just thought. And about for him. what you were doing, he was a he was the singer. Yeah, like he was the guy you needed. That was the move that needed to happen. But there were bad feelings. With with, with with the guys that you know, with the split up, right? Wasn't with Joel, it? yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we're still in high school together, so we you'd see each other in the hall and be like, "Hey," but yeah, we basically uh, kicked you out of the band, kept the name, said we were song. breaking up, but all we did was just move people around. Yeah. And then, but you did change the name. 
uh, to Firestone for like a show. Oh, that's right. Okay. But we knew, we knew because we were friends with uh, Kinder. I don't know if Kinder was working at, he might have been working at the Crest with us. Okay. There was, there was Eric some, Kinder. Er, yeah, Eric Kinder and James, who became our bass player. One of those dudes I feel like was either hanging out with us at the movie theater at the time. Friends we called friends. him Spanky, though. Yeah, or Guam. I, didn't, Guam. I never. I never called him that. All those San Diego guys called him Guam, dude. (laughs) So, Spanky, Guam. Because he was from Guam? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Undertow did not give him this name. It would be somebody from San Diego. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was called Willow. Remember when I had dreadlocks? Everybody got a fucking nickname, dude. (laughs) What? Why did they call you? They called you Willow because of the movie Willow. Yeah, the, the, little the short dude with the shitty dreads right. in the movie Willow. Look it up. Oh, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I thought it was a great movie, dude. You know Mark what? Elmer's I still it. think it's a great movie. Yeah. Give me a sword. I'll win this war for you. <laughs> so, yeah, I was shamed with Willow. Plus, that witch is hot. She's got red hair. I'm going to have to watch that again, man. I will buy that. On not, not the witch. The witch's daughter. Okay. The one that joins up with the good side. They get yeah. turned into goats. Like He-Man. Or pigs or whatever. I remember. I remember many things. I do. All right. Do you remember he has the he has the magic trick that doesn't work, and then in the end, Willow mm. Willow does the magic trick. And remember the goat goes Willow. Oh, so yeah, because I'm pretty sure those San Diego Chula Vista kids. That's how they would say it. Yeah, to you. yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, I, and it's one of those you can't get out of it. Nothing. I could I could be an asshole, be a smart ass. Try to come up with a nickname that's worse for you. No None way. Worked. No yeah. way out of it. So I think Guam got off safe. <laughs> I never called you Willow, but I know some guys that, that, that would. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. Been called worse. Um, so, hey man, you were called the hero of the story. So, yeah, he's the hero. Look, man, I accept it, dude. I eat a Snickers bar and my speedos before I go for a swim. And I think that's the thing. In a way, that does answer that does answer a lot of the question. Like all that shit is just that's just water off the duck's back, right? Like, man, you, you gotta can't. Own, you gotta own who you are. Yeah, fuck it. You know, you go bald, man. Fucking own it. Don't, need, don't comb it over. I need an artist rendition of the, of the, of the Snickers primary. See, this is funny because a bunch of people at work absolutely love this. And uh, God, to make it even weirder. So I'm getting my whole back tattooed right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a good idea to wear a G string um, so that my junk doesn't fucking fall out if I'm being asked to roll over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there might be a, a photo, the Snickers bar. I might relive this just because it seems like this story seems to crack people up so much. Oh wait, so you're gonna put on and then you're gonna grab yourself a Snickers bar and you're gonna do the adult <laughs> version of it, or you're saying you're getting that tattooed on your back? No, no, no I'm getting a huge samurai tattooed on my back. Okay. Um, no, I my friend want it's Sheridan Beach Swim Club. If there is a record there, if somebody can find it, I would think it would be absolutely fabulous. I gave the, my photo to the prom queen because we were friends and she thought it was hilarious. And you I was had like, a photo of it. Oh yeah. Swim team for three years. I mean, I'm sure. Well, I don't know why they even have it. <laughs> My friends would have it now, but yeah, there are three friends uh, that were on the swim team with me that maybe still have the photos. But I'm only in touch with one, and oof, you know, I just like whatever. <laughs> like a fucking Snickers bar. Dude. Well, I know. I just I want the I want the drawing of it. I'm gonna see if I can get Matt to do this. Yeah. So, um, so tell me. So that's how that broke up. But then you also yeah. had Seth playing. Second yeah. guitar. So Seth and me were pen pals. His mom had an opportunity to move to Seattle or somewhere else. Said, move up here. You can be in the band. He was in a band. Drift. Not mm-hmm. Drift Again. Right. So he was a guitar player. We were good friends. Uh, 
Yeah, so we with that lineup change, it was very quick that it was like, cool, we're gonna we're gonna steal Spanky because he was playing not an outright, but um, face first. Yeah, singing, face? singing for face first, singing for face first, and I Wasn't don't know playing bass for something. I, maybe he just played bass for you. We this has been this is one of those things I think that's been gone over a little bit, but I he was definitely singing for face first. I don't think so. I think he was playing bass. I got Spanky. Photos. I got photos. Spanky. I, mean, I think Soto was playing bass. I think that was later after we stole uh, James. Bas- basically, the story goes is that we we knew we could steal a couple kids. This is going to be... <laughs> no, no, no. Unless I'm mixing up two people here because I'm an old man. Um, yeah, when they played with uh, with uh, Hateful Youth at the Boward Firehouse, no, all my photos of him are insane. Okay. Yeah. I'm willing to bet he... I think he originally played bass, and I think we saw Oh, that him. could very well be. But, I mean, he... he yeah, weren't he, wasn't there an overlap period? I think he was in both bands, and then <clears> it just became us. Yeah. And then, yeah, Seth had moved up, so now we're a five-piece, mm-hmm. and John's on vocals. Also, mm-hmm. no slouch with the photos. Like, he also provided... He was there for the action version of the band. And you guys weren't just standing around. Wait, who... Spanky. Oh, yeah. No, I... Yeah, yeah, the John, I mean, John were big shoes to fill. <laughs> visually i i thought we always all of us held our own in our own in our own way definitely you know i mean i it's funny because you're in a band with somebody and so you're you got your drummer behind you and you don't always pay attention i can watch murph from video back then and i'm just like wow he fucking smokes it yeah he kills it he's so fucking good that's the the lucky thing is that murph was the real deal i feel Dude, like with undertale i mean i listen to it I, He'd be, he fucking blows my mind. I, I, he could do anything he wants on drums. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it needed to be the combination that it was. Yeah. But but man, and, you know. And then sometimes I get a lot of credit. I guess I'm jumping ahead for. Yeah, I am jumping ahead. We'll get to it. Um. So that was that was that lineup. And that's when we recorded the stalemate, which was originally a demo. And I think we're getting to. Yes. Then you put it out. I, as a, I put it out as a seven inch. So you put out there was a cassette version. Of the stalemate. That's right. Okay, so those songs. And then it ended up coming out as a 7-inch. And then there was the CD version had Words of Fire and Pin on it, which right. had been uh, on another on split 7-inch, right? Struggle. Yes, split Struggle. Yeah. Bloodlink. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is this, what does that look? That's, that's my... I'm not saying a word. So, um, yeah, so we start talking. I, I do this... You guys also put like a... Uh, I feel like it was a rougher version of Stalemate, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just right off the demo. I don't know. So on on the on the comp on the cassette comp I put out, I think it's just right off the demo. Yeah, that'd be my guess. I feel like we only recorded that once. One time, okay. Yeah. So then we start talking. I move down. Mm-hmm. We start making all these plans. We start going bowling. Oh, dude, yeah. And we were bowling at a place, and I've always been proud of this. We were bowling at a place where you had to mark your own scores. Okay. Do you remember that? We had the oh, little slips yeah. of paper that you had, to, you had to tally them up. Yeah. Who does that anymore, man? I don't know. Who keeps track for you? I, I prefer that. You prefer keeping track? You guys are probably cheating, you know? You just <laughs> wanted to write three X's even though you didn't get a fucking strike. That's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> three X's it's is a turkey. Yeah. 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 So we were no, doing those, that. Those are fucking fun times. We were making great times. I was working at the Kinko's. Yeah. You were coming, like you would come in and work on shit, flyers or zines or whatever. Yeah. Like every night, every night I worked in there. As soon as I was alone, the door would open, and it would be Damien, would be you or Matsuoka or uh, and the other two that were, were supposed to be William, who from Sunday Real Estate, 
Okay. Was coming in. And then, uh, um, I'm going to get his name wrong because it's been so long, but, uh, um, from 764 Hero and, uh, the, the band before that had, had, was already kind of a big deal. Why can't I think of this band? They're so fantastic. Bauer ended up putting out a seven inch for them. Uh, it's something about a bay or a sea. Yeah. Yeah. Bauer Hush Harbor. Hush Harbor. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, see, this is what's frustrating is right now off the top of my head, I haven't seen him for so long. Yeah. He was named, but he was in there. He, he was doing a zine. Like there was a lot of cool stuff. People were coming in. Um, and it was like, you know, and it actually, I ended up leaving that. That was in the U district. That was in the same place where you lived, where I was working. And then I went out to Bellevue and then certain people followed me out there. So, <laughs> so my nights out there were, were more calm in terms of people, but Damien would still make the drive and Matsuoka would make the drive. So I still had Damien and Matsuoka. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing about Damien behind the wheel. <laughs> Damien get pulled over. He'd get pulled over by the cops because he'd be singing along to Sunny Day or something. And he'd be like, I'm sorry, I was just singing. And they'd be like, yeah, don't do that anymore. And let him go. You know? Yeah. He pulled over because he's like going 90. So singing along to, you know, seven or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to all the tour stories or whatnot, but there's a great <sighs> tour story about speeding. And I'm like, you must have been asleep. Who was asleep? Do you Who remember, was driving? Uh, you would have been up in the loft. Murph was driving. Damien was in the uh, passenger seat. I'm on the bench. Mm-hmm. Do I tell the story now? Might as well. Yeah, because we, that yeah. summer we go on tour. Yeah. We, we actually made this plan. We're going to go on tour. We'll be in New York. We'll go to Dutch East. We'll do the finalized stuff for the seven inch. So we actually went okay. out to, so I went out, I don't know, if, I don't think we all did, but I went out to Dutch yeah. East and, and did some work on the seven inch while we were out there and the CD release. So that wasn't, there was no, we didn't have, we didn't have seven inches on nope. that tour. Okay. Cool. No, we'd been, we, we had been spending a lot of time getting the art ready and everything, but yeah. we had to leave before the time frame just didn't work. Okay. So you guys were selling shirts. Ran out of those probably pretty quick too. Yeah. <laughs> Three dozen maybe. Yeah. And I had, I was, I had, I was surviving off of selling excursion zine for $3 a piece because I have a cassette in it. And that's what I lit. That's what I ate off of and like survived off of. I don't, God damn man. But we bought the van with the Dutch East advance yeah, money. Yeah. So that's how sure. we had the van to go. Um, otherwise I don't know how the fuck we would have done it. No, no. I was just cracking up in my head because my, my recollection of like getting in the van, well, I mean, we can get to it too, is I had I had saved up money. Uh-huh. I, I had a job. I'm not sure everybody else had the job. There was kind of a joke that Damien was spending on comic books, <laughs> you know. So we get in the van, and there was definitely like, wow, you guys, you brought like five dollars for two months, you know. No, we, we didn't have enough money for per diem. I definitely remember. I definitely remember you having that issue. Anymore. Oh yeah, I had oh, some man. money, but I knew it wasn't going to last. I knew that what I knew is that if I didn't sell at the merch table those zines that I would run out of money. So it had to happen. And I stayed ahead of it the whole time, which yeah. is, which worked, you know, cause I could get my Taco Bell. Every, everybody ate. Yeah. We all had meals. Well, and then we, we got fed by people too, which was cool. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. It, I actually thought it was, it worked out. Oh, it, totally. We even survived the theft. Oh, we, sur- oh, man, we yeah. survived the goddamn, the, the, the transmission yeah. in farmers, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, is the guy's name skinny? Skeeter? Skeeter. Skeeter. Right? <laughs> I hate you," he said. <laughs> <laughs> this this story got told though in the Damien or the John one, right? I, did, did we had to have gotten to the the tour stories on this? I think I think that the you and Damien probably talked about the Farmers Kentucky breakdown is yeah. insane. Yeah, because he they, he sent us in the car. Yeah, go. To he the said, lake. "Go to the swim hole." Everybody swims there. His buddy's car. 
which we didn't know. We didn't, it was because when we came back, he was laughing at his friend that he had sent us away in the yeah. car, but he also sent us to an all black swimming hole. <laughs> you do remember that. Yeah, but I, I don't think it, that <laughs> we didn't, we were so oblivious. I mean, we yeah. were actually so oblivious yeah. that there was only a little bit of like looking around and going, huh? Like, you know, okay. Yeah. And I remember, you know, like, so, but and yeah. no one, nobody fucked with us or anything. It was, I think we were just kind of living in the fantasy world that we wanted to live in. And so everyone was cool with that. Dude, I remember... Thank uh, you for letting us have our stupid white privilege. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, cruising through, I think we were in Alabama, or Mississippi, something like that, uh, and pulling over at a gas station, and there's two dudes, and one might have had a fucking banjo, in <laughs> rocking chairs, uh, and uh, an African-American, and I think our... We got out, and they're like, hey, are you guys in a band? We're like, yeah, we are. And we just started talking to them, and it was like the nicest thing Basically like this, like when people are like, okay, you've toured the South. What do you think of the South? I was like, every time I've been in the South, fucking Southern hospitality exists and people are super nice. And you, you pull up and you fucking five of you get stinky fuckers roll out of a van looking like hell. And there's still a dude who's sitting on the, you know, in front of the gas station. It's like, Hey, how y'all doing? Yeah. Hey, what are you, you guys are in a band? Well, that that's cool. It's fucking excellent. Absolutely. I, no, I, I, I did, I did zone out and get a little bit crazy during the South. And mm-hmm. so my recollection of, of a lot of what happened in the South just started thinking, I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't get pancakes. I liked like, there were bugs. There were bugs that were driving me crazy. Yeah. Pancakes. <laughs> what was the blueberries? It was the blueberries. Day. One pancake had a lot of blueberries. <clears throat> the other was not as portion. No, I just, they, they were just, we're from a place where there's good stuff. Yeah. And we were, a, and I did not realize I didn't, I just didn't, I was too young and dumb. Right. We all, oh, at least, I, I have hated everything that happened today. I'm uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but this place has blueberry pancakes. <laughs> and sometimes in your life, you put everything, you balance yeah. everything that's going to keep you together on one thing. And I took a bite and I didn't know what, cause I was so unhappy and I was like, these aren't blueberries. Right. And it wasn't like they weren't blueberries because someone like reached, I, it was probably Murph. Like, I remember I took a bite and went, it's just like blueberries to me. I was so fucking mad. I think I just went in the bathroom and locked myself in there for a while. I was just, I, it felt like, like one of the worst breakdowns, but I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of the stuff around that either. Like the South hurt me. Okay. Well, yeah, I might've had something to do with that. We're here face to face right now. I apologize. I love you. I know. Mark, Mark, I know. Mark. I am not, it's not that I don't remember that you and I didn't always get along right. very well. But those times that we didn't get along yeah. were punctuated by some of the best times getting along yeah. with you. There's nothing that I've done, like going on tour with people, being with bands, that is quite so special in my heart <laughs> as you and I driving by ourselves with everyone else asleep into, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Uh, try, yeah. uh, L- LaConnor. No, no. L- L- we were going into Lacrosse, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Yeah. And we were, we were so tired and so laughing and we started making up stories about people in the surrounding <laughs> towns and we started talking about La Crescent. And I'm like, do you think that La Crescent is one of those shitty towns that's just outside of, that's just so far outside of, <laughs> that they, that they talk shit on them, but then they always are like, they think the girls are dumb and easy. So they're always like, that was like, ah, oh, I'm going to go hook up on La Crescent. We just started making up stories. Yeah. Do you remember what happened when we got to Lacrosse? We asked somebody, "What are the girls like in what's the name?" Lacrescent. Lacrescent. And they 
totally. How do you guys know about the Crescent Girls? Yeah, they're said. all fucking dumb and easy. And it was what we yeah. were making up. And we were just like, we are awesome. <laughs> but seriously, we had so much fun. So, yeah. dude, yeah. dude, like, yeah. you burn bright. Like, you, it's it, like, I am totally okay with that. Oh, yeah. You do not owe me apologies in life right, well, because you gave it to me I said a, it. a long time ago anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and no. who cares? You're fucking around. No, I mean, one of the, you know, I lived away for 17 years. And one of the things about coming back and, and having people be like, oh, I remember this about you and shit. And it's like, yeah, I was 19. Yeah. I was 20. You'd already done some killer shit before you left, too. Well, no, but also, like, if, yeah, certainly I, I did some dumb shit back then, but yeah, I, I was 20. We were all fucking young and dumb and you were, stupid shit. You were fucking inspiring me all the time, dude. Cool. Let me tell you something. Yep. You guys took the social consciousness of straight edge, like, the thing that made Undertow better. Uh huh. Like, then, then, like, whenever these assholes across the entire time I've been involved in this, want to talk about strange guys like this and are all like this and all a bunch of jocks and all a bunch of like that. I'm like, no, you guys fucking wrote love is love on your arms. And you wrote fucking, you know, I mean, you gave some speech in New Jersey or one of those places about, about, you know, supporting gay people. Like in 1993, like yeah. in a place, in, you were not at home. These weren't your, fr you knew some of these people, but you were in a place and your thing was, fuck it. I'm going to step out. And if you don't like it, fuck you. And I remember just thinking, God damn it. Sometimes Mark drives me crazy. Sometimes I love him, <laughs> but he's a fucking hero of mine. And that's Thanks, not man. look. It's true. It's true, right? I mean, I'm not right. I always loved all that. Like there was more to. If you had just been a bunch of dumb jocks, just happen to put that kind of music, it wouldn't have been the same thing, right? You know what I mean? And I would have been. I would have gone home. Like it just. But it, I knew you weren't going to be that way because I already knew you ahead of time. I didn't know Damien very well before we left. You got to know him on the road. I definitely did. <laughs> and you were rad. you were so mad at him that he didn't have a driver's license. Oh, you remember trying to teach him how to drive in Jersey? <laughs> no. You know we were playing, uh, what's the radio station out there? WKXP is what we got here. Uh, doesn't matter. FMU. Yeah. So we go to play that and we, Damien had to, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to swing around in the parking lot <laughs> and, uh, see if you can drive. And I, I just recall like, absolutely not. You know, it, it, it was, from one end of the parking lot to the other end is like, well, this is a bad idea. This well, he doesn't have a he didn't have a driver's license. Like he was seventeen when we took him on the road. Yeah, it's fucking great. Corrupted uh, that kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your um best? Because so I'm just gonna say right now, yeah. as I'm looking at the recording, we're coming up on two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, and there's a lot of ground to cover. Yep. I think we should cover it. Okay, if you've got some time. Yeah, we'll and we'll just uh, yep. we'll, I'll probably have to break this up into two episodes, yeah. and that's okay. That's cool because you're worth one. it. Yeah. <laughs> what are your What are the things you remember from tour from the summer of 1993 tour? Like tour like, stories. Yeah. What are the, What are the things you remember that are like the best and worst? Okay. Let's walk our way across the nation. Let's we? do it. <laughs> Let's do it. And so, until you get to the south, I'm going to remember it real well. Yeah, and I think that the south not much happened. Okay. Uh, but okay, so we we roll out, um, play. That place in Idaho. Nampa, Nampa. Where it seemed like all they did was make porta potties. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think we were in a in some kind of a hall or barn that was between two rival porta potty storage or manufacturing <laughs> companies. Very well could have been. We'd already been stopped by a cop. Did we? Yeah, but he was the he was the cool cop. He was the okay. one that helped us get the lights fixed and was excited that we were a band oh. on tour that you were a band on tour. Okay. Like Oh, he yeah. was very, very cool. Oh, it was either good. Eastern Washington or right when we got into Idaho. All right. Well, I, I do know that, uh, you know, they, 
shit, man, when it was like 20 kids, uh, they're like, yeah, this is going to get closed down real fast because there's a lot of gang activity here. Uh, in fact, this place got shot up last week and there's rumors of a rival, you know, there's going to be a rival shooting. So you might just get shot. And we're like, oh, that okay. was in Nampa. I don't remember. This yeah. Shit, okay. Yeah. And then the thing that I, sticks out to me about Nampa was this kid comes up and he's like, your shirts are eight bucks. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'll give you five for it. And I was like, well, no. And he was like, well, I don't have enough money. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> they, they barter in porta potty land. Yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of like, God damn it. Get out of my fucking face, dude. I'm not giving you a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then what we ended up in, uh, yeah, we got the fuck out of there. And so that's the first night. And you're like, oh. And I, I, me and Kim booked the whole tour, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was this Kim Kinnigan. Kim Kinnigan yeah. from Spark Marker. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, there was a there was a definite fear of like, oh, fuck. Fuck. Is this what the whole thing is going to be? Know, How are we going to do this? Right. Uh, then we ended up in uh, Utah the next night and had a great show and met some Chopper. Oh, yeah. I remember that. There might have been a vampire. Do you remember this? I think I refer to her in my... In my <laughs> In my tour diary <laughs> magazine, I think I think I refer to her as that nice vampire girl that yeah. we met, or that nice goth girl that we met. Yeah, but she left a man, a band member a note. I remember. Uh, I think she referred to herself as a vampire because I'm pretty sure we gave him. We only saw her at night. Well, yeah, I guess the sun wasn't up. But <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> that was also. Uh, that, without naming any names, that was also a little uh, indication of what was to come on that tour. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was going to get a lot of attention. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's the story. So then we so we, we might have played some other places, but the next thing that really sticks out, and I, I was when listening to John or Damien, this is one of those stories I was like, oh, I hope you guys bring this up. Okay. You know, this is why I'm here. Oh, good. Um, do you remember Pueblo, Colorado? It did get brought up. Did we not? Did John and I not cover that? Oh, I don't know. I it, the podcast I had just heard. Uh, John hadn't even gotten through the band. Oh, You're not up to tours yet. Fuck. So John might have told stories that I haven't heard yet. And I, I don't know if Damien. But this is a this is a real thing. Let's compare notes and see if we remember it the same way. Because okay. this is this is something that I tell people and they think I'm making it up. Mm-hmm. I f- or I feel like they think I'm making it up. So, Pueblo, Colorado, and the subsequent ride back is one of the weirdest experiences yeah. of my life. Okay. Not only do I want to talk about what happened at the show, but I was wondering if you guys remember the two events to me after the show. Two events after the yeah, show. Yeah, there were two things after the show. We'll get to it. Oh, I don't I don't really remember the show. I, it's only after the show that I remember. It's coming up in my mind because this was definitely a show where there were a bunch of kids and they said there's a bunch of skinheads yep. that will come and fuck us up. There are skinheads, yes. And I think... Like, like we're going across the country and kids keep warning us at the shows that we're going to get fucked up by <sighs> gangs and skinheads. What What's going on? Oh, I have a great fucking undertow... Riot story. <laughs> yeah, God, you gotta ask me sometime about Bremerton. Okay. Well, the riot that fucking happened there. Not on tour. Damien. Damien is in the band. Okay. Fucking scary as fuck. Uh, there were skinheads there, getting stabbing people. Oh Jesus! Um, I remember the story actually. Yeah. So that that show in Pueblo, I remember there was a kid saying, you know, I get beat up because I'm gay. So I definitely mm-hmm. at that show took off my guitar, grabbed the mic, and gave some yep. fucking speech. And um, so then we go outside. And so, uh, Sparkmarker had played, so we're done. Because I remember being in Sparkmarker's band, hanging out with those dudes. Mm-hmm. Hear this huge fucking explosion. A mm-hmm. huge explosion. Huge fucking explosion. So you were in Sparkmarker's van. I yeah. was in the Undertow van. Yeah. Um, and, and there was one member who was not in either van. 
Who's that? John. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's on the street. In the, he's on the street. Point, probably in the grass, holding his head. Um, Chest. Well, he, he thought he he thought he'd been shot. Remember, he was going like this. Yeah, I just remember he couldn't see. Yeah, well, because it blind. This is yep. fucking crazy. Yeah. They drove by and threw a goddamn homemade bomb at us. Yep. Yep. At John. Yep. Like, we're in the vans. Like, they, they blew up John. I don't know if anyone was standing they with John. They might have been trying to blow up the vans, They could have been. And it was a truck. And here's what I... Okay, what do you remember? So, before anyone knew anything had happened to John. Right. What do you remember about the immediate aftermath? The explosion happens. I feel like, wow, that was a loud fucking fireworks. Did you see... Do you remember seeing the truck take off? No. So, so I, was, I would be inside the van, you were in the, van. I so I, I'm looking out the front window because okay. I'm in the passenger seat of the undertow van, <laughs> and this truck takes off, yeah. right? And like, because they were the ones that tossed it either out of the either out of the cab or out of someone in the back, and all these kids came running out of the the house we'd just been out, running out into the street, chasing after the um the truck with cinder blocks over their heads, <laughs> and so I'm seeing like three kids trying to run fast enough to keep up so they can throw these cinder blocks at the, at the truck. And so I'm just like, where the, what is the, what is the country? What is this? <laughs> like, this is what we've got out into. And at that point, John wanders around the back and he can't see. And he's like clutching at his chest because he thought someone shot him out the window as the truck went by. Yeah. And they had just thrown a, a foamy, oh, listen, it was a firecracker, right? But I'll tell you something. It rocked our, it blew up next to the van and we felt the shockwave of it. Yeah. It was big. It was a bomb. Yeah, I don't, when I, when I think about it, I've always referred to it as a pipe bomb. It did not blow any glass out of any windows. Yeah. Nor did it shrapnel anyone. <clears throat> but I've been around M80s. Bigger than that. And they don't do that to you. No, it was yeah. something homemade. Yeah. But think, I mean, here's the thing. If they had put BBs or nails, John doesn't walk around the van. Right. Because it blew up right in front of him. Yeah. So he, so we lay him down in the grass. Mm-hmm. Is it, do you remember this? Had you come out? Yeah, because I think we're pouring, pouring water. Pouring water eyes, over his eyes. Saying we should go to the hospital. And it, that was a thing. Mm -hmm. So we get, so now it's like, okay, we're going to the hospital. Someone says, those fucking skinheads, man, they always do this. And that was the last thing I heard from anyone at the show. They always do this. In my head, I was like, if they always throw bombs, that would have been a cool thing to have been on the lookout for. <laughs> hey. Note, when bands come to your house to play a show, <laughs> let them know that there may be a yeah. bomb. Yeah. Uh, somebody in the band kept in touch with somebody that oh, lived really? there. Okay. And they said that the guy, uh, somebody shot and killed the guy. Oh, that threw the bomb? Yeah. Good. <laughs> I didn't Sorry. I Sorry, like, people. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not quite as nice right. as people would like me to be. I believe that the story goes that uh, somebody walked right up to his fucking truck with a shotgun. Put it next to his head and blew his head off. Hmm. Wow. You know, if you live the kind of life where you throw bombs at people from out of town, maybe that's how you'd go. Well, John would always say, he couldn't say Pueblo. He'd say Puebla. So maybe he pissed these guys off. Puebla. <laughs> they heard about it. When that undertow gets here, we're going to... Hello, Puebla. We're undertow. So here's the thing uh -huh. where we're probably not mature enough adults to be actually out on tour. So we drive. Yep. We take off. And John says, I think I feel better. We probably don't need to the hospital. I'm starting to make out shapes. Yeah. You agree with me? Uh, absolutely. absolutely. So we decide, okay, we'll just see if he gets better and we don't go to the hospital. That's correct. What the fuck? We go to a Denny's. 
Wait, did we go to... Was that a Denny's? Do you remember what we, happened? We did... Is No. This connects? Because I'm talking about the train on fire, dude. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> we go to the Denny's first? No. Well, I don't know which happened first, but do you remember what happens at Denny's? Is that where the dudes get up in there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, yeah. You're you going to need to tell that story. Okay. But we t- I think yeah. we talked about the train on fire, but we're driving yeah. and we see up ahead, there's a train uh, that's coming the other direction. If we're heading north, it's heading south. And we can see sparks or something or fire up ahead. And it was this was just before the 4th of July, maybe a week and a half before. Sure. When we were down there. And a train car carrying fireworks had somehow caught fire while it was in motion. <laughs> and as it passed our vans, the entire train car was engulfed in like blue and green and red yeah. flame with sparks and room, whatever was in there, just going off anywhere. And I think it was the next exit, Spark Marker's van was ahead of us and they pulled off. And Kim was in a panic. <laughs> and he was trying to call someone yeah. to tell them the train was on fire. And I remember saying, they, they know the train's on fire. Like they... The guys driving the train know the train's on fire, right? Like, someone knows the train's on fire. Like, it's, I don't, you know, I don't think we can help. <laughs> I don't think they knew. Well, because it's... You would it stop, was, right? It was, go- okay, so for perspective, yeah. as it was coming up, it was small. It was engulfing as it passed us. Sure. We actually saw it getting bigger. Yeah. So, I mean... Must have been a hobo with a fucking cigarette. Someone, someone <laughs> jumped in that train... Yeah. Crawled in and thought, this feels comfortable. I think I'll light this cigarette. <laughs> Picturing him lighting it with, with matches. And he looks around and says, fucking TNT TNT. Yeah, everywhere. like a movie. Like a movie. What's in here? He lights, lights up the whole thing. Like and an it Elmer just <laughs> And that really happened. Yeah. It really happened. Yeah. So we, we go to Denny's. Yeah. You're going to tell a story because I can't remember it specifically. Okay. So there were these, uh, <clears throat> there's a, two guys and a girl. And they're fucking metalheads, Heshers, and um, they're all they're all wasted. One guy gets up to go to the bathroom, and while he's uh, his friends in the bathroom, he opens up the entire salt shaker and dumps it into his buddy's orange juice, <laughs> stirs it up. Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he comes back, and uh, it it takes the guy like a good five minutes to have a sip of his orange juice, and he does a total spit take. And he's like, what the fuck? You know, you put salt in my fucking juice. And uh, the other guy goes, that's right. And then he hops up on the Denny's table. Yeah, on the table. Feet on the table. Feet on the table, standing up there, air guitar, starts singing, breaking the law, breaking the law, and then runs out. Now, let me tell you, I was probably desperately trying to get some good food. But we ordered Denny's, so okay, veggie cheese melt, I'm good, you know. Um... So I was probably like, but wondering if a veggie cheese melt in Colorado is going to work for me, you know, do they even have it on the menu? So, so my knowledge of what happened in that scenario was the jumping up on the table. That's what pulled me out of whatever I was in. And I see this guy air guitaring, breaking the law, breaking the law, but I didn't know about the orange juice or the, for any of that. You saw the whole thing go down. Cause we were also sitting there going, God, I can't wait for this guy to drink his orange juice. Oh you know, god. This is going to be such a burn on his buddy when he drinks. Oh god, that's funny. And it's it was just surreal. And it was and the thing is even by itself it would still be something you'd be like, "Oh, I saw this guy do this thing." Yeah. But we were having a night. It all happened within what, 6 hours of each other? Tops. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Less. Yeah. yeah. It was all the ride up Colorado. Like yeah. the, so <laughs> Then we kind of and it, it started a weird time. 
Because then we went up to Wyoming and drove all the way across Wyoming. We got pulled over by the cop in Wyoming. We got taken <laughs> for money <laughs> and found out once we... So we were headed to South Rapid Dakota. City, South yeah. Dakota. And when we got there, we discovered that, what, three of the five bands on the bill had been pulled over by the same cop? Yeah, because we were, we were friends with Jawbreaker. We did our first West Coast run with them, so we were already friends with them. And it yep. was, this but it was, it was, yeah, definitely. It was cool. And it was, that's what it was. It was Jawbreaker, Undertow, Sparkmarker, and I unfortunately can't remember the other yeah. two bands. Um, I want to say, like, it's not bare minimum, but it's something in that vein. Well, somebody here would know because they ended up playing uh, Redmond Y on that tour. So if they were on tour with some bands, they were we we're okay. When well, I didn't, and I didn't know that they they were on tour. But but what was super cool is that yes, we got to this this Rapid City, South Dakota show is Jawbreaker, Undertow, Sparkmarker, and then whatever other bands. Yeah. It was awesome. Everyone's having a good time. But I remember that there were other people coming the same direction. Jawbreaker was coming the other way. Yeah, but uh, got, got pulled over, and this cop would say, "You were speeding." No, I wasn't. I clocked you at this amount of time, and then he'd say, "Well, he put, he made John come back to his car." Yeah. And John will say that he had a, a sawed-off shotgun in the in the cab with him. I doubt it was sawed off. Here, here's the story I remember: is that uh, the cop pulled out his <clears throat> pistol, put that on the dashboard, oh. uh, unlocked the shotgun in its case, and said, "Here's how we do it here." Oh boy! You pay me one hundred and ten dollars, or I take you to jail. Yeah. Well, he said, he said, uh, "I'm either going to take you to jail or you post bond." Oh, okay. Is how he said it. And he didn't know what that meant. He goes. Yeah. Here's this is how it worked. He, he had clarified it for him. So John came back, got the money. Yeah. As soon as a couple of he was like, I bought a fucking hey, Wyoming. Because <laughs> we'd also been driving forever. Yeah. And in these weird rolling hills, and we saw a shepherd. Do you remember that? There was, <laughs> no. a, sh- there was a dude, there was a flock of sheep and a dude with a crooked like <laughs> staff. And it was like, I remember whoever was awake in the event at the time, and I think Murph was like, Murph was playing. Iceburn, like the whole like like w- Wyoming is iceburn and and weirdness, right? And so while we're listening to iceburn, like, and I'm talking about like not not that first iceburn. Oh, I know, record. I know. You know what I'm talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Um, we look over and it's like, are, are you seeing this? And it's like a dude, you know, with a and a, and, a, and a flock of sheep. And I'm like, I didn't know that though that that was still reality. I didn't know people still actually tended flocks of sheep weird i mean yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then we got to go play a show with jawbreaker so yeah. it was fantastic what and there was this young kid like 10 9 or 10 years old and he came up to the merch table and uh john asked him um hey man what's your favorite band and his answer was was unreal it was like it wasn't isocracy but it was a band like that. it was some band that like no like john knew who they were and he was yeah. like Oh my God. I think he gave the kid a free t-shirt or something. He was just like, you're, how do you even know that band? And it was something, it was one of the bands that was on the, uh, the, what are you pointing at compilation? The various small markets put out some band that was on there and they were, I think they were a Midwest band. This kid must've seen them if he was coming out to shows. Yeah. I mean, I guess shit. I mean, they probably had a lot of shows cause you really do need a stop between Denver and uh, Madison, Wisconsin and some of these other States where, there was shit going on. There's a fucking dead space, man. You're not going up fucking plain eastern fucking Montana. So, and then we started. Yeah, and and and, and I'm still friends with him now. Dan Dimmer uh, was the guy that hooked us up. Uh, does a bunch of tattooing now. Super fucking awesome guy. But he was he was like he was the, the South Dakota guy. Yeah, he was like from the, straight from the heart. Yeah. Yep. That guy mm-hmm. sent Larry Livermore a cassette tape that basically got Larry Livermore 
away from like out of hippie music and into punk rock music that made him want to be involved in the music scene. And then I listen, there's a complicated thing between yeah. him and David Hayes about, about what lookout records and who had the rights to it, how it actually started. And, but I, I remember reading back in the nineties, I remember reading Larry Livermore writing that the thing that influenced him probably in this column was this guy from this band straight from the heart. Um, and how like, you know, he, he couldn't like, it was at the time when everyone arguing is straight edge okay or these guys, you know. And I don't even know if that guy was even straight edge at the time. I think he was. I think that was the deal with that straight from Damn. the heart band. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was kind of a justified, like, without that and without someone being so open to send this to me and being so cool and non judgmental about me, I don't get into, you know, lookout doesn't happen. So yeah. it's kind of like, oh, that's. Now I'm probably, I may even be mixing up the guy, but I've always. <laughs> In my head, it's always been the straight from the heart dude who helped us do the show in Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. Dan. Uh, I may look this up. So at the end of this podcast, if I uh, want to do my final thoughts, I have to. I may say that this didn't happen. But I think it did. <laughs> I think that's the correct story. What else on tour, man? You know, I don't know. We already covered the breakdown. Farmers, Kentucky. We yeah, broke I down. Know, it was, was a nightmare. Another, okay, there's, there's a story that I absolutely fucking love. Um, we went swimming and we jumped up the high dives. Oh, yeah. Up in Canada. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch. There's one that fucking absolutely cracks me up. It's it's fucking amazing. Um, and I don't... It would have been... There, there was a period where the shows were really bad, and I was being a total fucking asshole. And I think everybody in the band fucking hated me. And there was a good week there where... The, the fights in the van oh, oh. were between you and another member. Yeah, and right. there were very few. Oh well, or sometimes you'd fight with John. Or sometimes oh yeah, you'd fight with I, Damian. I fought with fucking everybody. Right, or or or, verbally, or they weren't verbally. even necessarily fighting you back. Like for Mo Murph would have fucking. <laughs> I remember this story. Yeah, I'll tell oh, this story. Oh no, no, I, I think I know the one. Yeah, it was uh, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was that it? Was, was it about loading the van? It absolutely was. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so we play a show. It ended up being eighteen and over, which we were totally against. Yeah. But I did not know this. Uh. Get paid, do the usual, uh, trying to figure out how we're getting in the next town. Uh, come out. All the equipment's put away, except for my gear, sitting outside the van. Uh, and I'm kind of like, what the hell is going on? And I think tensions had been building. Yeah. Like, we had to run a run of kind of bad shows. Yeah. And that didn't help. But <clears throat> And Merce's like, oh, dude, I'm so fucking sick of you never fucking loading equipment. And I was, my recollection was that he's he's 100% right. He's a fucking 100% right. <laughs> Without a doubt. But I'm also the one inside getting paid. Getting the money, yeah. And f- getting on a fucking payphone and calling the next town. So I'm. I, it's not like I'm sitting on my fucking thumbs. Yes. Uh, but it, yo, wow, it got, it got fucking. It got heated. It got heated fucking fast. And it probably goes back to, to other stuff in me and Murph's life. I think you walked away and Murph asked the rest of us if we wanted to go home. Oh, yeah. I, we I, didn't. There, <laughs> there was a... Uh, Murph was clenching his fist, and I was like, "I'm about to get fucking hit," and not just once, you know. And, uh, and is this the only time Murph lost his cool on the tour? I think so. Such a such an even keel. No, I dude, mean, like, I, I've no, I, dude, I've I've fucking known Murph since I was like 12, right? So he's he's fucking chill. Um, I fucking love him. Uh, I <laughs> that that was that was maybe I'm not going to talk about the other stories, but that was probably the third time in my life where I was like. He's going to fucking destroy me. <laughs> and he can and will 
And maybe the other guys will get them off of me, but they're pretty pissed at me too. Right I, was like, now. I was like, maybe they'll say, "Well, you did, you did talk that shit to me." Yeah, the, yeah. No, <laughs> David so, will be like, "You knew I didn't have a license. You can't yell at me for not driving." I, I think what calmed it down for that moment was that I said, "If you punch me, we're turning around and going home." Oh, maybe that yeah. that might be it. And then I think he said, "You walked away." and He said, "Do you guys want to go home?" Because I think he was like, "Do I still get to punch him?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it. Uh, so. Um, yeah, there's that story. And then and then that led into like a oh, full week of like, oh, everybody fucking hates me. But my own personal stress at that time was like I had booked a whole US tour. You you did it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so when things were going well or not, you know, sometimes I was irritated that oh it must be nice for you to get in the fucking not you. But I was in there. Tour, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it. fucking sweet that you get a fucking hop in a van and go yeah. on tour for two months and you yeah. got no responsibility when I feel like I'm carrying all this. And so that was what was going on mentally. And I certainly took it out people verbally and act like a dip cone. Uh, but then I've also had people say, would you want somebody else in the band doing that? I was like, oh, I guess I can't give up the control. So I, I, did I ask you that question? No, Ron, Ron did. <laughs> oh, Ron did later. Yeah. Do, do you want, you know, so-and-so making the, the, the cover, design the cover of your record, <laughs> that kind of shit. And Thank like, you, Ron. I was like, no, actually I don't. Actually, it was, that's no, good. I was going through a lot of, it was very stressful to like, yeah. you know, I was working full-time job. Hey, started, man. I don't think any of us would have changed it. No. I don't think, and looking back on it, we wouldn't have not. We, yeah. we wouldn't be like, oh, given how Mark acted, we wouldn't go on that tour. Fuck no, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. But here's how me and Murph broke the ice. Ah. So it's a rough week. Yeah. Uh, there is a night where Murph is driving mm-hmm. and Damien is in the passenger seat. I'm on the bench. That means you and John were up in the loft. Yep. Um, I wake up to laughter and it's Damien and Murph laughing their brains out. I know they're loopy. It's tired. They probably may be on the wheel too long. <laughs> Just giggling. You know, the giggle that you only get when you're really oh, that fucking tired. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Um, and I remember I woke up because I am actually catching air on the, on the bench bouncing. Oh no. Yeah. So I kind of peek over and Murph says to Damien, he goes, dude, we are going so fucking fast right now. I can't believe it. And Damien was like, I know. So, <laughs> so, Right? I'm in a really bad place. I can't say anything. So I'm like, I, I guess it'd be better if I die in my sleep. <laughs> Literally. Let's try to go back to sleep. So I fell asleep, right? Wake up the next morning. Uh, Murph comes over to me. And uh, and I think the breaking of the ice was he, he kind of gave me a punch in the chest, dropped the keys, and was like, hey, speedometer's broken. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Didn't say anything. And, he, and, and then he started uh, kind of... Uh, opening up more and he's like yeah uh we get really bad gas mileage you go over 100 i remember every part of this conversation that you're saying yeah where were we uh, that wasn't i don't remember where we were it had to be i feel like it was kind of on the back end of the tour okay um because the the arguing all that gnarly shit happened yeah for the south as we're going in yeah so that would have been but (laughs) getting down to florida with var I feel like we were getting along in Florida because we met the Bloodlight guys. Or was that that was the second tour? And we met, yeah, second tour. Okay, and we met Var for no idea. They took us for a walk. Swimming. Oh, did we go in the water? Because we went for a walk and there were alligators, and I was trying to throw reeds at the one to see if I could get it to come oh, out on the shore. I think I think we broke into swimming pools with him. Oh, that sounds apartment buildings. Yes, right. That sounds. I don't think I went in. You probably left your shorts in New Jersey. <laughs> I forgot about that. I did. So sorry. I did too. You left. My sh- you put him out on the van, and then we drove away, right? Or, or I put him out. You on the put van. him out because we were swimming at John Hill's house. Yeah, and I, I didn't know they were there. Yep, and they were they were in port shorts too. 
For sure. They were, well, important because I didn't have any. Well, they were Bones Brigade. Oh, they were. Oh no, I, I know they were. Uh, okay, they, they were. They were skate rags. Skate rags. Okay. Yeah, that's where they went. Um, <laughs> real quick, I want to go back to. Uh, Murph real quick uh, so he's then now we're boys again and he's like he's like yeah the fucking some crazy shit happened while we were driving and I'm like when you like how, how Murph how fast were you going and he's like dude I redlined the van to see how fast I could go <laughs> you know <laughs> and he's like at one point I almost hit a semi in front of us because I was going so fucking fast oh, <laughs> right and then his other story is that he was then still going super fast. And I think by now the speedometer had just broken and gone and he's still just cruising. And he said a cop pulled up next to him, mm -hmm. turned on its lights and then sped in front of Murph and took off. It's <laughs> <laughs> like out of super troopers or some shit. I, Jesus. I had a motorcycle cop do that when I was driving for Soto. Yeah. I was on the uh, a viaduct uh -huh. and I was going way too fast. Yeah. Motorcycle cop came right up beside me. To think, looked over at me and just went like that and then backed <laughs> off and didn't pull me over. I like, I just slowed it down, gave a little wave. I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, that's awfully nice. White yeah. privilege <laughs> on display, <laughs> but not, not, you know, Murph got lucky because there's probably another call. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I, I fucking. And really we all got lucky because we didn't need another cop encounter on that tour. We had enough. Nah, what else do you remember? You remember getting kicked off of Staten Island by cops? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still friends with Freedom and Penny. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I part, part of me wants to do a different uh, shit. I might be fading. You're fading? Uh, you know, I've been up since three, so. You feel like you want to come back and do yeah, another day? Yeah, that's actually, yeah. Well, this is going to be a long one. Okay. And then we're going to come back and we're going to follow. So here's the thing. We'll, yeah. we'll call this the end of the Undertow Tour. And it, it's actually a really good place to stop. Okay. Because the period between, so we get home, uh -huh. and the seven inch comes out, and you guys start working on Apple Thens. Yeah. And Apple Thens comes out in it in the summer of 1994, which for <laughs> Seattle Hardcore was a big deal. A lot of things changed. It was just so many people <laughs> came together. Yeah. There's huge beef. There's huge. There's incredible. Your shows were just top notch. Like everything was just awesome. Oh yeah, dude. We should do a second, a second one. Well, if we start. I mean, my God, if we start Undertone '94. Yeah, that's that, a great starting place for cool, the next podcast. Yeah, I do think that things had. I mean, look, fuck. We haven't even covered all the tour shit. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but we don't have to. I think we covered everything we wanted to talk about. Yeah, but I feel like I've got a couple stories that I need like you to validate. Well, and we and the other too. before the end of the day. No, no. Okay, Chris Vanderbrook though. Chris Vanderbrook. I want to bring him up because we have tour stories about him, and he's dead. Passed away. He just passed away. Yeah. Um, which is I, and I knew him from high school in Bellingham. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I knew him up there. Um, which is a real bummer. You know, yeah, he'd fallen on hard times. But you do remember Chris Vanderbrook telling the cops to fuck off in I, Virginia Beach? The only Beach. reason I remember it is because <laughs> Damien and you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we told the story on that. See, so I feel like I've got some stories when I listen to uh, Pettibone and and Damien. I'm like, oh, get get to the story. Get to the story. Get to the story. And I haven't heard half of John's thing yet. So oh. he might have gotten to some stories, but absolutely, Pueblo, Colorado. I was like, well, that needs to be fucking told. Yeah, that I mean, I, I do feel like it's been talked about, but it's, it, we probably yeah. covered. Well, there you new details that I I didn't know. So well, uh, yeah, and then I mean, yeah, even the, when we got broken into in New York. 
Okay, so when we got broken into in New York and we were looking for, so we went into the record store in New- D Generation. D Generation. I think so. Is that what it was? Reckon Reckon Ball. It was. It was the one where they just worked for Reconstruction. Free. Reconstruction that's Records. What, yeah. Yep, and that's where we met Freedom. Seventh and half. Seventh Ave between third and second. And we met Simone. Yeah. In there, blue hair. Yeah. And so uh, Seventh Street. Sorry. Was that what it was? And Street, yeah. parts we were not gone for very long, yep. and they got into that van and yep. took a lot of expensive shit. All my stuff. I think John it was all, lost, it was all your, they, the took, they took all your CDs, and we've been listening to some rad shit. Yeah. We couldn't listen to the Helicopter Pitchfork anymore. It's nope. pissing me off. Nope. And my guitar. <laughs> and your guitar. Yeah. Backup guitar, luckily. They didn't take the main one. No. Nah. I don't even know what I was playing then. But... And they left the money, right? They missed the money bag? Was that yeah. what happened? Yeah. Okay, I so mean, I'm lucky. guessing somebody probably had it on him. I don't know. I was in the. We I were so it, responsible about money, Dave. That, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and so we all went running in different directions. We grabbed what we could and tried to go running different, looking for someone going with, uh, and we couldn't find them. But when you came back, you didn't you say that there were two guys fighting in the street the direction you went? Well, what I remember was Freedom giving me a screwdriver. There was a screwdriver, a hammer, hammer. something else. We were all, we were armed in the streets of New York, yeah. going to like, get our shit back. He's like, they're on St. Mark's, which is the block right next door to it, and it's like the punk rock block. Yeah. Or they're at Thompson Square. Uh, and so we're going down there. Yeah. And in your head, you're like, judge. Thompson <laughs> Square, Saturday yeah, yeah. night. I see my brother. He's here to fight. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we couldn't we couldn't find him. But I, it was sort of this, am I really going to stab somebody? With this screwdriver. Like it was sort of a, and this happened to me later in my life on a shift tour in Europe. <laughs> my, uh, my tour manager was like, here's a fucking screwdriver. Anything goes down, just start stabbing people. Excellent. <laughs> Great, dude. <laughs> and that's Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, nice. And he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, well, uh, so yeah, back to New York. Uh, <laughs> Shift is jumping way ahead. Um, yeah, no, he was going to, yeah, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but I remember was, you saying, I remember you saying <laughs> that there were two guys fighting in the street and you were like, I can't go down the street. Maybe you were looking for something else. Maybe we were going for food or something. But I thought we were all together. And but then, I definitely, we saw like was, three or four fights on that. We saw the most brutal fight I've ever seen in my life outside Which, of ABC No Rio. Okay. It was so fast. Do you remember that? Well, I remember there was a, a guy chasing a guy with a two by four at one point. That I think is your story. Because okay. one dude, you said you thought you could go. And then the first guy came back with two bottles that he was, oh, and he was banging mm. them together and yelling at the guy like, you want to go now? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Did that uh, happen or was it? I think the guy with the two by four was chasing somebody and I was either in the passenger seat or driving. Okay. Uh, so that was just like, wow, New York's crazy. Yeah. Oh, shit. And then there was another fight with a guy with bottles. Okay. And he wanted, he was like threatening, I'm going to break these and I'm going to fucking stab you. Right. Um, and then there was a lot of fucking puke. Seems like everybody was throwing up outside of ABC No Rio. I couldn't get in. If you remember, they didn't let me in to ABC what? No Rio because no guest list. Fuck off! And I said, "Oh, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm with them. I'm. Yeah. I'm the roadie." And they're like, "No guest list." And I was like, "I am not a guest." I when I left for a tour with these guys, I didn't calculate out the number of shows that they were doing and made sure I had door payment for yeah. each show so that I could pay to sell their merch and be the guy with them. And they and the person said, "No guest list." Like they never said another word. Like that was it. Hmm. So I sat outside and talked to Mike Kirsch. Um, did we play Sawhorse? Uh, John Henry West. John, oh, that's right. And then, so I was so I'm like, so I'm brother. like, okay, so I miss. I'm, well, was a singer for that band? Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I'm like, yep, yeah, 
Yep, absolutely. Corey Lindstrom. So I'm I'm outside talking to this guy. I'd much rather talk to you than, you know, I mean, I'm, I see you guys every night. Now right. I get to talk to this dude who's yeah. in fuel. I mean, you know, he, he's been in things that are just blowing my mind and, and, and pinned gunpowder. And, you know, yeah, we we're talking politics and shit. I was having so much fun, you know. So and then I don't know if you guys were out there when we saw the fight that was out in front. But it was I, I, I remember thinking. I've seen fights. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. I, I don't recall this. It was just, it was just so brutal and so fast. It was two guys in the street mm-hmm. and they were th- like, like they were, they were moving so fast and I couldn't see, like I almost couldn't see their hands and one guy won. And then there was a big wave of people that kind of like came out and they were like yelling, like one dude ran away and they were picking up the other guy. And it was like, I'm like, this is something th- I don't, this is something totally different. Like, I'm not even sure that guy's alive, but they just punched each other. So it can't be, you know, but wow, I, thought, I can't, I can't survive the other side of that. Like, I'm not one half of a fight like that. Yeah. I'm just a victim in that situation. <laughs> That's not, sometimes I think I can, I can handle myself. No, not in that one. Yeah. So that was the only, that was the thing in New York that scared me. Oh, sorry. Charlie horse. Oh, no problem. We're, we're, we're winding um, it down, bro. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know when we'll do another one. So you, but we will do another one. Real quick. So you missed out the old man singing at the ABC New Rio show. Ted Leo. Ted Leo. Did not get to see him. I'm I was sh- not in the room. I'm going to shoot my boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he laid me off. And no, 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 no. And it just went on like that. And there was a song about his wife, too. <laughs> I knew that he was on the show. Oh, it was fucking great. But, yeah. They were... I did not have a... Uh, See, I won't remember this next time, but I was like, oh, <laughs> ABC No Rio. And there was this fucking old guy there singing. I remember we went out to Long... We, there was a show on Long Island, right? Yeah, we, we played up, with 1.6 band. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And we, we ended up on a, at a party. Yeah. And I remember that I was... Everyone had a, that Long Island accent. <laughs> and I was talking to this girl, and she was talking about our accents. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, you have accents. You sound Canadian a little bit. Sure. You sound a little West Coast and a little Canadian. And so and so she's like, I'm going into broadcasting. I have to have the the Midwest, like the the standard like broadcast. I'm like yeah. so she was lapsing in and out of her real voice and her it sounds and so her, sexy to me and you her don't even know. And she <laughs> dude, she totally was too. And it wasn't that like and I remember like I'm like, this is cool. I was super into what she yeah. said. And that's probably the only reason like this conversation was going anywhere at all. But I was like, wow. And then, and then that conversation ended when some dude just stood up and pulled his pants down <laughs> to her. Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but everyone started laughing. And I'm like, this is not up out. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening here, but there was, it was the kind of big dude that was kind of bald. And he just was, kinda... it was a singer 1.6 man. You can ask Damien. Cause Kevin Egan Used to, he used to sing for Beyond. Yeah. And uh, Damien says that, uh, yeah, that uh, that was the first time Damien had ever slept. Or, uh, slept. Whoops. Before he slipped there, brother. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> first time he ever went swimming in the Atlantic Ocean. And he oh. said uh, Kevin Egan was there and that a bunch of people just went uh, skinny dipping. But that was like Damien's. Yeah, I, I made it there was some shitty coast. neighbor that didn't want us to be there because we didn't belong on the... I think yeah. it was... I spent a lot of time in the van that night. Okay, yeah. So I don't remember what the deal was. All I remember is that there was some kind of joke that I wasn't privy to. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't... This was a group of friends and I wasn't one of them. So I just went, I think I'm going to get up and leave. Yeah. So I walked out of the room. I don't know what that, that dude was doing. All I know is that dude stood up and there was sudden nakedness occurring in the room. And it was weird. Okay. <laughs> do, do you remember where we played in Long Island? No. God, I wonder. Because, you know, now, yeah. I, 
I know, I know towns out there now, right? And so I thought 1.6 that could band, be lacrosse, or that could be. <laughs> I thought 1.6 band and John Henry West also played Maryland. We definitely played John Henry West there. Yeah, because there were there was sort of uh, yeah we never even got to like James and Seth leaving and Damien getting in the band. <laughs> um, oh yeah, there were some other things. Damien ended yeah, up being the bass player, and yeah, uh, well. the other guys were in a band uh-huh. called Said Child. Damien was in that band also. They were a real Morrissey influence. And speaking of that, Joel has a real Morrissey influenced like musical project he's doing right now. Oh, does he? He just released music, and it's cool. really good. Cool. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I did just download it. Um, I'll put it in the. I'll put it in the. Uh, uh, on the page, yeah. on the page for this episode, and people can go check that well, I out. Because so. all of these guys are awesome. Yeah. Like, regardless what little thing was uncomfortable back at the time, sure, all these guys 15, are fantastic. 16, who cares? Yeah. Uh, I think Seth has, last time I talked to him, it would be, I mean, it would be on Facebook or whatever, but uh, he had a band called Glass Trains, I believe. Oh, yeah? I think so. Um, so he's still playing music. Awesome. <laughs> this is a long podcast. Yeah. And we're not done. No. So, just like Pettibone, you're going to need to come back yeah. for another episode. I don't mind, man. I'm having fun. We'll give it some time, and then we'll come back, and we will start the summer of 1994. Well, we got to kick out uh, Seth and James first. But they weren't in, they weren't in the... T- okay, we'll, we we'll get, we'll that, get up to speed no. on it. Yeah. Seth, James, Damien and the band. The tour... Then 93 tour has already happened. And then we'll yeah. go into 1994. 94. Sounds good. Getting that both ends ready. Great shows at the Velvet Elvis. Yeah. Good shit happening. Yeah. Thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, you got I it. I am so happy that you came out and did this finally. Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. You're the man. Wait, hold on. Remember it? I can't. Oh. Yeah, that was the, that was the <laughs> yeah. handshake. That was the handshake snap that See, I, I like, do. I like the pop. You need to get the pop in there first. No, you're the person that talked about the grip. The grip. We're going to uh, screw up the microphones. Well, we can't do the grip without, because you have to. Don't you, do, you don't you like a handshake? No, no, no. no. And then you just, I thought you told me that you, as soon as you hit the person's hand, you squeeze and look them right in the eye. Oh, no, that's not me. I would never do that. That was the grip. <laughs> you taught me no, the grip. No, the, the grip is just popping it like that and make, it, make sure that your hands have You have that. to stop and then look. Don't you, aren't you supposed to make eye contact? Only during sex. <laughs> I didn't realize when you taught me this. <laughs> I, think you're, I, think, I think that has evolved. But I have told people many times that you taught me the grip. See, this is why I got to come on here. <laughs> I got I got all the naysayers and liars. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, brother, we'll do this again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Later, man. Well, there you have it. That's the episode I've been wanting to get done for a long time since I started this podcast. I've said that about others before. I had a short list of people that I really, really wanted to get into it with. And Mark has always been on that list. I, you know, our history is 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 fantastic. And I wanted to be able to have that kind of a conversation with him. I knew there would be a lot of laughing. All right, I'm going to address a couple things really quickly. Uh, the podcast obviously hasn't been coming out as often as I'd like it to. It's just life is in the way. People will say, oh, you used to do that podcast or what? Why'd you stop doing your podcast? And I'll tell you, I haven't stopped doing it. I just do it when I can. And then even once I get it recorded, it takes a while to get it edited. And if you go to the web pages, you see I do a lot of stuff with the links from the things in the show and pictures. And it, it's a bit of work to get it up. And when I'm having to work, <laughs> it's a bit of work to get the, uh, the thing ready to go for the podcast. 
to be listed and uploaded and have the page look right. So I do it on the schedule that I can with what, you know, with what my work allows me to do. I've been getting a lot of writing work lately, which is fantastic, but it takes away from my ability to do just fun creative projects like what this podcast has turned out to be. Beyond that, um, we got to correct a couple things from the episode, as we often do. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is we talked about She-Ra and the He-Man toy line. Now, this is really important stuff, so let's let's work this out because y- you know if you listen to this show, this kind of thing is important to me. These dumb little details. So there was no She-Ra toy in the Masters of the Universe toy line. There was Tila, the Warrior Goddess, but that was not She-Ra. She-Ra was He-Man's twin sister, but not in the Masters of the Universe storyline or toy set, at least not in the beginning when it came out. Masters of the Universe comes out in 1982. That's where He-Man shows up. She-Ra starts up in 1985, and the line of toys was called Princess of Power. There was action figures aimed at girls. So, yes, she's He-Man's twin sister. Uh, she also has the power of... I, I think it's... I think she said Honor of Grayskull. Something like that. She was definitely Grayskull-powered as well. But no, you couldn't get a She-Ra He-Man toy. You get a She-Ra Princess of Power toy. Whatever. I'm sure they were, you know, they were perfectly interchangeable. But it, it's the technical details that I'm looking for here. Okay, moving on. I realize I've been adding a stupid syllable to the singer of the cult's name. Mark is absolutely correct. It's Ian Astbury. For some reason, I've been calling him Ian Astorbury. I don't know why I think that sounds right to me. It still feels right to me, but it's just a mistake I've been making all along. Yep, so Astbury. Also, we were talking about the end of love removal machine, the whole boogado, boogado thing that Mark's been talking about. And so I looked into this. I listened to it. I, I know the thing he's talking about, although I don't really hear it as three syllables. I hear it as two syllables. I think it sounds more like Bogo. But it's right uh, before he starts singing, Look Out, Here She Comes, over and over again. There's like a musical change, and he does that. I found lyric sites online that have written it as, Ooh, yeah. They think he says, Ooh, yeah. No, it's unless, and so here's what I figured. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be, but it came out, Boo, yo, when he did it in the studio. You know, sometimes you make a mistake or maybe he's burping when he's saying it or something. And they might have listened back and said, oh, no, that's, that's cool. Let's just leave it. So for whatever the reason is, yeah, there's still no definitive answer. Although there are lyric sites on the Internet that claim that it's ooh, yeah, whatever. Boogado, I'm much more into that. So we're just going to go with it. Boogado. Okay, uh, I also talk in the story about not being able to remember the name of the band that the kid in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, said was his favorite band that impressed John Pettibone so much. Um, and I went and looked at the, uh, the compilation we talked about, and it was definitely the band Descent. The kid, and I think it was a regional band, and that's how I knew about them. But Descent, I think I said I thought it was Isocracy or something. I don't know, but it was Descent for sure. Okay, and then we talk about Dan Dittmer, Straight From The Heart, and I brought up the thing with Larry Livermore and Lookout story. I looked all over the internet to try to find proof of this story that I remembered hearing. It doesn't really seem right on the face of it. Dan was definitely in the band Straight From The Heart, but the timeline of that band doesn't really work to be the thing that would have influenced Larry to do Lookout Records. So, uh, it, but it could very well have been that younger Dan Dittmer was tape trading with Larry and had just put some other hardcore stuff on a tape and sent it to him. And you know what? I think that actually fits in with the story because the one part that I think I did not mention is that 
Wherever I heard this story, Larry Livermore said it was a Rites of Spring song on this tape that had inspired him so much. So that could definitely have happened. It still could have happened, but I can't prove it. And I think where this story came from, it was either in a column that was in Maximum Rock and Roll or Punk Planet where Larry did his columns. But I can't find an archive of those, and I'm not going to go read them all, and nothing comes out in a Google search. But I also, for a while, interacted with Larry on an AOL chat, not a chat room. There used to be AOL message boards that were like an early version of when people had America Online, and you were on their service. They had their own little like portal that had these like message boards, and Larry definitely posted in some of those. Uh, if any of you are old enough to remember, remember Papito P had his own board in there? Okay, so Larry was in one of those, and he may have told the story in there. Anyway, no way to prove it. Uh, it's probably still true. Whatever. Okay, that's all the stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, I've already got another episode in the can. Ryan Murphy's up next. So, uh, yeah, I'll get to editing, and before too long, we'll have another episode up. See you next time. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos, and Debris.